Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the self. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello there. Ah, hello there. Gonna rock and roll tonight. Got so much to get through. really going on though. No real big news. Nothing going on. Very quiet news day. <laughs> so many questions in the chat already. Don't worry, we've got so much to get through. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. It's Thursday night. It's the free for all. I am Boogie Bumper, and this is the Daily Boogie. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. Like I said, I've got so much to get through. So much stuff keyed up. And then just just like a typical Australian has to go and fuck up the whole show plan. Gee, they just can't help themselves, these Australians. I tell you what. I tell you what. Before we get rocking and rolling here, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to indict me, then you can do so by following me first on Twitter at boogie bumper. Yep. I've got a lot to say about the Julian Assange thing, as I'm sure a lot of people do, which is why tonight I want to do something a little bit different. For the first segment tonight, I'm going to, when we go start going through our stories, I'm going to put a phone number up. So if you want to call in and tell me what you think about this, the Assange arrest and his extradition to the United States, then by all means, call in, tell me what you think. Because I, I really want to know what other people think as well. 
because this is going to be one of those mixed things. Um, where to start? Okay, let let's start. I'll tell you what. I'll start by pissing off large sections of the audience who are Donald Trump supporters by saying, "This is not a good look for Donald Trump." <laughs> now, this, of course, people will say, "Well, this is an old charge. This goes back a long time," and that's probably that that could well be true. That um, this is really nothing to do with Donald Trump at a certain level. It's you know, people in the State Department, law enforcement officers and whatnot. However, one does tend to think that with such a high-profile target that some conversation must have taken place at some point. I mean, it's not like Donald Trump, it's not like Julian Assange has not been, you know, in the news in regards to all of the Russia shit Donald Trump's election, Hillary Clinton. It's not It's not like that didn't happen. So to pretend like it didn't happen is plainly stupid. So I suspect some kind of conversation would have taken place. On the other hand, I suspect also that Donald Trump knows very little about the internet. And what I would use to qualify that is uh, Donald Trump has never sent an email once in his in his entire life. We know that. He really only likes Twitter because you can just punch in a, a message and hit send. I'd wager that Baron would have to set up his computer for him. Okay, so people are saying this is the plan. Let me tell you why I disagree that this is part of some plan. Let me lay this out for you. <clears throat> if there is a plan and a timeline of events... If the United States intelligence of government, if the United States government, with all of its money that it spends on the intelligence agencies in the hundreds of billions of dollars every single year, with all of their surveillance capabilities, which Assange himself and WikiLeaks have, you know, revealed to the population previously in years gone by, the kind of power these people actually really have. If the United States government, the mightiest government on the face of planet Earth, planet Earth, with the hundreds of billions of dollars that they spend on intelligence gathering capabilities, if they do not have the capability to, if they don't have the information that puts people, you know, up on treason charges and whatnot, and instead they're relying on a malnourished guy who's living in a broom closet in an embassy on the other side of the world with a laptop getting blown every second Saturday by Pamela Anderson. If if he is the key to putting all of these people in prison, apparently, then there is no plan. If Julian Assange is the one that has to is if, if he is the special if he is the special key. If Julian Assange is the secret source, then everything we've been told about the capability and the power of the the American intelligence gathering services is a myth. Think about it. What could Julian Assange possibly have that the American intelligent FBI, CIA, NSA, what could he possibly have that they can't have? 
The other thing to consider here too is a lot of people have been saying, well, now that we've got Julian Assange, we can bring him over to the United States and he can testify against the deep state and finally we'll know the truth. The problem with that is you won't know the truth. Because if the topic of conversation in this court case is classified information, then what happens in those kinds of court cases is they seal the courtroom, physically seal the courtroom. No, no reporters, they lock the doors, all of the documents from the court case get sealed, nothing gets out to the public. Why? Because they're discussing classified information. It's also very, very, very difficult to come out of those court cases a free man because the weight of the government and all of its power and all of its money and all of its intelligence gathering is weighted against you, a single human being. Julian Assange has been a bug up the United States government's ass for over a decade. This is not something that began in 2016. This is something that began a long, long time ago. Actually, when he embarrassed George W. Bush with the release of certain information that was sent to him. And then again with Barack Obama. Same thing. So whilst George W. Bush and Barack Obama couldn't nail this guy, the Trump administration is the one that is. Other people have been saying, uh, well, it's only, a, it's only a small charge. The maximum penalty is five years. There's a reason that they charged him with something with a maximum penalty of five years that not many people are talking about. And that reason is this. In, the, in Europe, it is, it is law that you cannot allow an extradition when a death penalty is on the table. So the previous charges that they had against Julian Assange over the years had to be dropped and replaced with something minor in order to get him out of the country and take him to the United States. If they had have pursued, you know, high treason or espionage with a death penalty attached, then Julian Assange would still be in London today. Even if he is still in London, you know what I mean. He wouldn't be headed to the United States because it's against the European law to allow extradition when a death penalty is on the table as a possible punishment. <laughs> Gypsy asking, why is Gary so mad at you, Boogie? Gary's mad at everyone. <laughs> but I love Gary. To be fair, Gary isn't really mad at me. He likes me. He just pretends for the theatre. So Gary is a welcome addition to the program every time he joins us, which isn't often enough, Gary. Hope you brought a note. You retards better wake the fuck up. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Mr. Miller. So there's also that. So in order to get him out of uh, the EU, they put a, a bullshit charge helping somebody to hack a computer. And then you can bet your bottom dollar as soon as he touches down in the United States. Well, we've got new evidence. We've got new evidence, and now we're just going to have to put a needle in his arm. So, for all those reasons and others, and I want to leave a little bit for when, if anybody wants to call in and discuss this, 
and I'll put the number up soon. But for all of those reasons and others, I I am straying to the side of less probable in regards to some kind of plan playing out here. And straying more on the side of that Julian Assange has been a thorn in the side of the United States government. There's an old saying, it doesn't matter who you vote for, the government always gets in. And this has a lot of the stink of the Bush era neocons about it. He embarrassed them over 10 years ago. And they've probably been hunting him down, looking for a way to get him to the United States ever since. In fact, not probably. We know they have. We know they have. That's the whole reason why he was in the Ecuadorian embassy to begin with was not to avoid prosecution. It was to avoid extradition specifically to the United States. So I have to disagree with my comrade James and his assertion. But he's okay with that. We disagree from time to time. We disagree more often than people realize. In saying that, you know, Julian Assange probably wanted to go to the United States because of the protections afforded to him by the First Amendment and the Fifth Amendment, I would disagree. The whole point of Julian Assange spending the last seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy was specifically to avoid going to the United States. And people may say, well, Trump's in power now. Yes, but arguably the same people who he embarrassed over 10 years ago are also still in power in the various departments and in the intelligence agencies and in the State Department. So nothing less than a pardon from the president is going to save him. A pardon which will be obviously used by his political opponents as some kind of evidence that, oh, it's all to do with Russia because that's the charge that's been levelled at him up until this point. So I'm straying more towards the side of the United States government in all of its glory finally stomping on a bug that's been biting at their feet for the last 10 years than I am Julian Assange playing some kind of role in some kind of plan to bring down Trump's opponents and charge them with treason. But we'll leave it open for people to discuss. And I, like I said, I'm happy to hear your views. You won't be dismissed. You won't be shut down. You won't be yelled out of the room. You won't be blocked. I don't even block anybody. So feel free to disagree. Well, let's get to a couple of stories here to get us rocking and rolling. There's a number down there on the, on the bottom of the screen. If you want to call in, let us know what you think. Please do. And while we're waiting for callers, let's... Do a little bit of this. Journalist or criminal Julian Assange, notorious for leaks of US secrets, faces computer hack charge. The release of a stunning trove of sensitive diplomatic cables and entire pentagram databases nearly a decade ago made Assange and his anti-secrecy group WikiLeaks a household name and an enemy of the American government. Six years later, later, WikiLeaks published thousands of emails involving members of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign that investigators said were stolen and passed to Assange's organisation working for the Russian government. That episode and others so infuriated US authorities that the then CIA director Mike Pompeo called Assange's organisation, quote, a hostile intelligence service. That's the other thing to consider here. Mike Pompeo is on record calling WikiLeaks a hostile intelligence service. 
He's not on record saying that Julian Assange is key. And if, you know, if there is some kind of scheme going on here, if people are in control, then why pretend? Why pretend? When the US government revealed its long-running rumoured criminal case against the WikiLeaks founder on Thursday, the leaks that made him either famous or infamous merited only scant mention. Instead, federal prosecutors unveiled a single count outlining a a simple criminal conspiracy alleging that Assange formed with former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning, then Bradley Manning in 2010, to crack a password on a secret computer network within the Defence Department. It wasn't clear from the charges that they succeeded. (laughs) I don't know. Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning having a phone conversation. Have you tried putting in the guy's birthday? Have you tried that one? Okay, how about this? What about password with a zero instead of an O? Have you done that? Have you tried that one yet? Okay, that didn't work. Okay, do you know his pet's name? Have we tried that one yet? There, there you go. There you go. That case appeared to be the result of a years-long struggle with the Justice Department over what to do about WikiLeaks and its famous founder, whose activities the government has said repeatedly jeopardised US security, but were also difficult to distinguish from those of journalists who frequently print information the government would rather keep secret. Got a call coming in. Thanks for joining us. I'll, I'll just be with you in a sec. I'll just wrap up this out, uh, this article. I think the top line takeaway from this, journalism is not a crime, but hacking is, said April Doss. Now, there's a problem with that in so much as uh, nobody has ever accused WikiLeaks of hacking anything previously. It's generally understood that WikiLeaks was a, you know, a bastion or an island for people to deliver information to, which WikiLeaks would then publish. So you can see the, the trouble here. Because publishing information that's handed to you is a completely different kettle of fish from stealing the information yourself. Somebody was talking about uh, the possibility that there's a there's a kill switch, there's a dead man switch for Julian Assange. And part of me would like to think that because he's an Australian, like all of the information that Assange, people are saying there's a dead man switch and if he doesn't put in a password, all of the information is going to go out to everyone. And I'd like to think because he's an Australian, it would be like a troll or a banter. So hopefully like when all of this information goes out to the CNN and MSNBC, let's cut live to the WikiLeaks reveal of the dead man switch from Julian Assange. It should just be like tranny porn. Don't you think that would be sensational? I certainly do. Are you there, caller? I am here. Hello. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Yeah. Thanks for putting up the number. I like this. This is kind of cool. Awesome. So what do you All think? All right. So um, everything that you said makes absolutely perfectly sense and could be 100% accurate. So I'm not actually arguing. I'm just going to play devil's advocate, I guess, in a, in a sense, or at least where... My head's going because just because of Donald Trump and his personality. Sure. Because he is, I think, as whack as he is, as much of a narcissist and a bully as he appears to be, I think he's got a really strong sense of justice. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that 
excuse me, um, back in the 80s. He probably was an FBI asset when he was helping bringing down the mobs in Atlantic City and New York. Okay. And I, I can't help but think of when when Julian, I, and if I'm wrong on any of this, just, just correct my information. When he got charged originally with that rape, then it was mm. eventually dropped. It was all because of the United States um, the intelligence community pretty much setting them up and then using that to try to get them. That was definitely and the accusation. That's when he went. Yeah. They okay. were saying the sweet, they, they were saying the United States was putting Sweden up to it, basically. Correct. And and then they kicked the, they, they basically kicked out the FBI and told them to go shove it. Yes. Or the CIA, whoever the heck it was. So being they used those same exact tactics pretty much on, like on Donald Trump, and because he's familiar with the tactics, I, I kind of believe that the, whatever's going on with Julian Assange being coming to the United States now, it, it, it has something more to do with that than anything else. Not, not even because I don't, I don't even think he had anything to do with the, the Seth Rich. I don't believe Seth Rich was uh, um, the guy who gave him the information on the DNC. Mm -hmm. If anything, I think that because Kim.com is uh, an expert on file sharing, I think that he identified there was something going on with information being transferred in the server and he couldn't figure it out and was contacting him to see if he could figure out what was going on. He identified that there was some malware installed, which I kind of think was highway related, but that's a whole different situation. So that's why I just, I, I don't, I don't think him coming here is going to end up bad for Assange. I think for in any in any, if there was ever a time for him to attempt for freedom, not that he instill fear because you never know, not that he wanted it, but I think this would still Trump is the the best asset he could possibly have to even get a pardon. Okay, well, like I like I, I think if there has to be a process because even if he were given a pardon, he's still going to be a target. People are going to want that man dead. Absolutely, and I, but I think the thing is here. I think the pardon is the only thing that can happen because if Donald Trump tries to intervene in any kind of way in the, in a criminal proceeding, you know what's going to happen, right? Like the accusations are going to be flying at that point. Hey, he's getting involved. This is it'll be obstruction of justice 2.0. They'll have to appoint another special counsel. You know, because he's getting personally yeah, involved. So there's the only thing he can do would be to pardon the guy. But he could have done that yeah, Donald- while he was in London. I, get, I just think there's another, there's just another reason underneath that we just don't. I feel like all of this, even the Spygate, I just believe there's something else going on hmm. that, like, for whatever reason, like, none of us really understand. So, well, I guess we'll just see, but I just wanted to throw that out there. I think it has more to do with maybe the tactics and stuff, but that's just one, one thought. Okay. Or, of course, he'll come here and be put to death. <laughs> well, well that, that could be a possibility as well. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Thanks for joining in. Hey, and I I appreciate you putting up a number. It's awesome to finally talk to you. Have a super day. Is it a day there? I don't even know what time it is there. You guys are like 12 hours ahead of us or something? Oh, something I'm like that. I'm in Pennsylvania. It's day, right, but well, it's... have a good yeah. one. Thanks for the thoughts. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. There you go. An interesting thought, something else at play, perhaps. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, here's here's a problem that I have. I kind of I 
we know what Mike Pompeo thinks about Julian Assange, and we know what John Bolton thinks about Julian Assange. We know what the the United States government collectively thinks about Julian Assange. If we take Donald Trump out of the equation, they don't like him. Okay, the government or people within it, they don't like him. And I kind of get the feeling that it's possible that people would be around Donald Trump in his ear telling him, you know, Donald, Mr. President, we've got to bring this guy down. He's dangerous. He releases information. He puts our troops at risk. He has put our troops at risk. He needs to be brought to justice. You know, okay, if that's what you say, if that's what you say, John, Okay, Mike, Mike, do you agree with John? Okay, okay, let's go get this guy. What's it what is he? Assange? Assange? Julian Assange, okay. And what is what does he do? He does something on the Google? The wiki is he is he the WikiLeaks? The WikiLeaker guy? Okay, okay. So John says we need to go get this guy. He's a dangerous guy. He's a bad guy. So we need to go and take this guy down, okay? I can see that happening. I could see that conversation taking place. You know, I'm not sure that Donald Trump is going to be sitting there in that meeting going, no, Julian Assange, he's a freedom fighter. He's a hero. He holds the United States government to account. Well, you know, like, well, again, put the troops at risk. I'm just saying that is that something that they would say to Donald Trump to get him on board with this extradition? Now, I heard somebody else today, a commentator... I don't, I don't talk about other broadcasters. I don't like it. I think it's tacky. So I'm not going to mention any names. People do what they do, and I do what I do. And what they do is up to them. And I really don't give a fuck what other people do with their shows and their platforms. That's their problem, not mine. But, you know, I heard uh, somebody out there saying, well, Julian Assange risked, risked the lives of American troops. And I thought to myself, you know, in Iraq... And I'm thinking Julian Assange risked the American troops' lives. How about the fucking neocon government that was in power at the time? They're the ones who put them on the other side of the world, fighting in that desert shithole, looking for weapons. They're the ones who put the truth. Nobody puts the lives of military servicemen at risk more than governments. <laughs> and, you know, the Bush administration at the time... They're the ones who put these guys' lives at risk. And of course, you know, ardent supporters of neocon ideology at the time would of course blame, uh, like I said, a malnourished Australian with a laptop for being the one. He's the real threat here, right? As the might of the United States military machine is rolling over the sand dunes and American sons and daughters are getting their limbs blown off and coming home in body bags, these people would have the audacity to say one one Australian guy on the other side of the world is the real danger here, not us. We're not the ones putting your sons and daughters at risk. It's that guy. Okay. Okay. Sure, mate. Sure thing. So I'm not sure I necessarily buy that. Somebody wanted to watch the uh, arrest video for comedic purposes. Okay. Okay, I don't, I don't think it's funny because it's like police state fascism at work here, but I am a man of the people, so for those who want to enjoy the arrest video, then all right, here you go.
We've got fucking... We've got Constable Care out the front here. Look at this guy. <laughs> what are you doing, officer? Oh, I'm just guarding a van. I'm just guarding a van, making sure nothing happens to the van. The other guys in there, the feds, they're in there. They're, they're going to bring him out. I'll just stay here and make sure nothing happens to the van. All right, mate? All right, lad? Hello, what's all this then? What's all this then, eh? There he is. Constable Care. He's got a bit of put around the lummox. Just making sure nobody fucks with the police truck, mate. There you go. On your way, mate. You go through there. I kept a space for you. Good job, Constable. <laughs> a witch's hat could do that job. Yep, hogtied, thrown in the van. I can't help but think if only he had acid in his face, then nobody would show up. If somebody stabbed him in the guts, not not a policeman, there's sorry, we can't get anyone there. We can't get anyone there to, for the arrest. Sorry about that. What have we got? What have we got? An, an, a, a malnourished Australian with failing health. Yes, send the whole fucking riot squad for this guy. <laughs> and make sure Constable, make sure Constable Care guards the van. Because we can't have anybody getting too close to the van now, can we? Remember, if you want to call in, the number's right there. Please do. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is Julian Assange's lawyer today. Since 2010, we've warned that Julian Assange would face prosecution and extradition to the United States for his publishing activities with WikiLeaks. Unfortunately, today, we've been proven right. Mr. Assange was arrested this morning at about 10 o'clock at the Ecuadorian embassy after the ambassador formally notified him that his asylum would be revoked, and he was arrested by British police. We've today received a warrant and a provisional extradition request from the United States, alleging that he has committed conspired with Chelsea Manning in relation to the materials that were published by WikiLeaks in 2010. This sets a dangerous precedent for all media organisations and journalists in Europe and elsewhere around the world. You're damn right it does. You know why I think it's less of a plan? Let me t People see a plan playing out here. People see a timeline of events. That's fine. And if you want to call in and tell me about the plan and tell me about the timeline, please do. I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to discuss it and we'll go through it. Here's what I see. On this show, people who are regulars on this show, and it's, it's a very small but very loyal small audience, so I'm eternally grateful for the people who can be bothered tuning in. Over the last two weeks, we have gone through numerous things around the world, numerous drives which are direct attacks on freedom on the internet. Let me go through them for you. Article 13 passed in Europe, Article 11, which changes copyright law, which essentially turns uh, the European internet into a form of the YouTube reporting system, which is incredibly flawed. 
basically anybody can flag your content, whether they own it or not, without showing any proof as they are the owners and your content can be taken down offline. So that's essentially what they want to roll out, not just for videos, not just for music, but for articles, blog posts. They also want to link tax. So if you link to other articles on your little blog, then you're not going to be able to afford the tax that you're going to have to pay to the government for the privilege. And this this stuff, this stuff that we're going to be talking here, this is not left or right. This is going to hurt just as much the left-wing bloggers and the small left-wing websites and the left-wing video makers just as much as it's going to hurt the right. This is about corporate control, something that the left used to be against once upon a time. But now you more and more you find them cheering on behalf of their corporate overlords. What do we want? Less freedom. When do we want it? Whenever you say. Whenever you say. So you've got that. You've got the drive in New Zealand, Australia, and the UK. They want to ban live streaming altogether. But what they're going to do in the meantime is impose massive fines or jail terms on the CEOs and people who run the companies like YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, if some kind of disagreeable content goes to air. Now, you might say, well, that's a very noble exercise. We can't have dangerous content going live over the internet. But to that, I would say, well, there's a small problem with that. Because any potential live stream, any live stream could potentially turn into a dangerous live stream at any moment. So with the threat of jail terms and crippling fines, why would any of these countries take why would any of these companies take the risk of putting it on there to begin with? It's a backdoor way of banning it altogether. Unless of course we're talking about Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, again, it's not a left or right thing. You hate Fox News, you want them off the air, too bad. If these laws go through, it'll be Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, and the other major news companies that run the entire show. Nobody else will be allowed because nobody else is going to be able to afford it. And the companies are not going to take the risk on you, an unknown quantity, live streaming, because if you get it wrong, they go to prison. So why would they take the risk? You've also got Alex Jones being sued in the United States for questioning a public event. Now, again, you might dislike Alex Jones immensely. You might think that he perpetuated a horrible hate crime on the families of the Sandy Hook victims. But the problem with that is he's being sued for intentionally causing emotional harm. If this sets a precedent, again, people on the left or the right are going to be affected here. Forget what you think you know about the left-right dichotomy. The real struggle is going to be control versus freedom. If you've ever spoken about a theory about a public event, if you've ever if you've ever made a joke about a public figure, if this goes through, this court case on Alex Jones, you could be next because the precedence is there. You will be accused of intentionally inflicting emotional harm on the person that your your content affects. And then when you add on to the mix, the only organization that has a 100% record 
of accuracy of releasing documentation specifically about things like government corruption. The only one. Fox News doesn't have it. CNN doesn't have it. MSNBC doesn't have it. The only organisation with a 100% accuracy record is WikiLeaks. So over the last two weeks, we've seen all of these things come to pass. And then today we've seen this. And it just seems to me like a full court press attacking freedom on the internet. And that's one of the reasons why I, I don't really see a plan coming to fruition here. For whoever called in, I had you there. I was ready to go. I was just about to go to you. So if you want to call back, I did pick up the phone. I was just about to go to you. So, you know, I, I see less of a plan here about, you know, bringing people to justice in terms of treason. I see more of a plan of a full court press in, in trying to attack freedom on the internet worldwide. It's just the way I see it. When you add all of these things into the mix, I think it's difficult not to see that. I think we would have to deliberately choose not to see it at that point. Okay, we'll try again. Try again, Mr. Bearded Truth. Please, please try again. Love to hear. I'd love to hear a libertarian perspective on all this. An angry libertarian perspective. While the Bearded Truth... I need a snurdly. <laughs> While Mr. Bearded Truth is calling back, let's hear a little more from Julian's lawyer. This precedent means that any journalist can be extradited for prosecution in the United States for having published truthful information about the United States. Yep. I've just been with Mr. Assange in the police cells. He wants to thank all of his supporters for their ongoing support. And he said, I told you so. Well, the only thing to add to this is the fact that uh, this is a dark day for, for journalism. As Jennifer said, this sets a precedent. Uh, we don't want uh, this to go forward. This has to, has to uh, be uh, averted. The UK government needs to make a full assurance that a journalist will never be extradited to the United States for publishing activity. This pertains to publishing work nine years ago. Publishing of documents, of videos of the killing of innocent civilians, exposure of war crimes. This is journalism. It's called conspiracy. It's conspiracy to commit journalism. So this has to end, and we urge everybody to support Julian. Conspiracy to commit journalism. I love that term. Uh, by the way, the guy... Okay, I've got you now. By the way, the guy who was um, identified... I'll let you do your own research in those in those cable leaks that WikiLeaks put out years ago. A colonel, um, one, it was revealed that he was organising death squads in Iraq. So much of the information that WikiLeaks revealed back then pertained to him. It was under his watch. The two people who got that information out, Manning and Julian Assange, look like they're the ones that are going to see the inside of a prison. And the colonel, who was in charge of the operation at the time, he's a free man. So that's the future of whistleblowers. 
Are you there? You're on the line. I've got you. Hello. Anybody there? Nope. Okay. It says someone's on the line. You there? I can hear breathing. <laughs> this is fantastic stuff. People go, why don't you take calls more often? Well, if you can hear me speak up, you might be muted or something now. Hey, uh, Boogie, I, I, I've got there you for another 50 seconds. There he is. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you now, brother. I can hear you now. Boogie? Yes. Yes, I've got you. <laughs> I really need a secretary. Really need a secretary. Um, would you like to see what I think I think this is Clapper? Pretty sure this is James Clapper. Yes, would you like to see what Clapper thinks? If you're on the side, if you're cheering from the sideline saying, "Yay, lock Julian Assange up." Guess what? You're in the same boat as James Clapper. But joining us now is James Clapper. He served as the director of national intelligence for seven years under President Obama and is now a CNN national security analyst. Dr. Uh, director Clapper, it is so good to have you here during this breaking news because Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, some of their most active years were 2010 through 2017 when you were director of national intelligence. What do you think as you watch the arrest today at the behest of the United States? Well, I was, uh, of course, recalling uh, uh, the 2010 uh, era was, was right as I had started as uh, DNI and had. Give it another go, Jason, with, if you uh, want. Give it another crack. Uh, the impact of the Chelsea Manning revelations, uh, which were quite, uh, uh, quite damaging, and yeah. uh, yep. and it caused us all kinds of grief in the, in, in the intelligence community. Oh, how awful! I do think that um, Jeffrey Tubin, uh, I think as always, uh, articulated uh, the complexities of this case. <laughs> and there is the, uh, you know, freedom of the press aspect. I personally, and this is aspect. A, a legal, a personal opinion, not a legal opinion, think I'm in the, my Pompeo school that WikiLeaks is really a non-nation state um, hostile intelligence service. But that, I'm saying that as an intel guy okay. and having lived through uh, the grief that uh, those revelations caused. See, the grief that the revelations caused, right? It's not the actions that the revelations revealed. If he was an honest guy, he would be saying the actions that the revelations revealed caused us, caused us great grief. Because that's the real story here. Just like it was in 2016. The story became about who was releasing stuff instead of what the stuff being released was. Well, the revelations, you know, this, this information getting out there, this was terrible. This caused us great harm in the intelligence community. Yeah, I fucking bet it did. I bet it did. Because everybody got to see what the hell was going on for a change. Everybody got to see behind the curtain and they did not like what they saw. And again, you know, Mike Pompeo and James Clapper are in lockstep on this. They agree. Funny, isn't it? There is the comparison between uh, WikiLeaks and the likes of, say, the New York Times or the Washington Post. That's what WikiLeaks is making. I mean, they well, they want to make that comparison. I, 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 <laughs> I just 
Look at this gorgeous girl. I think she's being a bit naive. She's either being naive or intentionally obtuse. We all saw Chris Cuomo saying, you know, it's illegal to have the WikiLeaks stuff, but it's okay for us because we're in the press. So if you want to learn what's in the WikiLeaks drops, you come to us. You watch CNN. We've got all the goss. We've got all the juice, baby. If you want your WikiLeaks hit for the night, if you want the WikiLeaks good stuff, you come to you come right here to CNN. CNN, WikiLeaks Central, where you can get the illegal WikiLeaks documents because we're allowed, because we're in the press. And then she gets up there and says, well, they're trying to make out like it's some kind of journalism thing to have these documents. You're allowed to have these documents as long as you're a journalist, but they're trying to say that they're journalists. Oh. God, it's horrifying. Of course, you know, corporate media protects corporate interests and corporate interests protect corporate governments with corporate interests that wage war for money in far-flung shitholes across the world. I recognize that. I, I will just point out uh, one subtle difference uh, from a practical standpoint is that when the New York Times, the likes of the New York Times or... Uh, uh, the Washington Post or any of the responsible media uh, came into possession of a classified... The responsible media. See what's happening here? Do you see the manipulation that's happening here? We will decide which, which media outlets we approve of. Remember what I was telling you about this full court press about freedom on the internet. The, the fundamental attack of freedom on the internet... It's all going to be framed around who is deemed responsible enough to do it and everybody else will be irresponsible and dangerous. And who are the going to be the responsible ones? Ladies and gentlemen, it will be the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the ABCs, and I'm afraid my Democratic comrades on the left, if you think you're the only ones, guess again because Fox News is going to be up there too. Fox News will be up there too. We know because we had Rupert Murdoch speaking only a few years ago about his desire to turn the internet into a kind of cable news service in order to funnel people through his platform because he didn't want to have people creating their own. This is not a left or right thing. At the top, the difference between left and right is superficial at best. It's about money and control and power. Left and right is for us. Left and right are for, the, for our arguments. So we can argue about which holes people should piss in in Target stores. That's, that's our discussion. They're, those are, the, those are the, the fights that we're supposed to have. Those are the hills we're supposed to die on. At the, at the top, they don't care about that stuff. They care about fleecing you, lying to you constantly. Treating you as though you were a mushroom, kept in the dark and being fed shit. Material, uh, typically, not always, but, but typically, they would at least give us, the intelligence community, the opportunity to comment. The number works from the U.S. Not Gary, the number works from the U.S. I've already had two people call in from the U.S., so give it another whirl. 612-8091-6177. Uh, publishing. Sounded very FM radio then, didn't it? 
if you'd like if you'd like to call in and get in get in touch with our competition line where you could win five dollars in cold hard cash that number again 612-809-16177 boogie bumper fm hello there thanks for calling in i've got you now hey boogie how are you I'm doing well. I finally got through. This is actually on the phone line, so we're we're good to go. No to no go. problems with dropping. Um, cool. Yeah, I I first want to say thank you for letting me call in, and uh, I I I think this is a great idea. Other than the fact that you had a troll for the last two callers, we'll we'll just negate him. Um, uh, well, that's fine. We'll edit that out. The- we'll edit that out of the podcast. Don't worry about that. That's fine. <laughs> Never. Yeah, happened. take it out in post production. That's good. Um. But um, when it comes to the Julian Assange thing, you, you definitely were hitting it on it earlier that um, there really can't be a plan involved with this. Well, there could be, but it, it the likelihood of it coming through is, is not great. Um, the likelihood that for the last 10 years, the entire government, all the alphabets, the CIA, FBI, and everything else, they've been after Assange, and they've been after this entire topic of, of trying to get people that have been destroying the government with truth um, has been something that the the American Empire has been doing for for decades, right? We've been doing this in the Middle East. We've been doing this in Africa. We've been doing this in uh, in select countries in Europe and in Asia, where you speak truth about the American government and the atrocities that they're doing. They're going to come after you. Yep. And so I don't think that President Trump is somehow some benevolent being, and is like I'm going to bring. Julian Assange to our country and then pardon him or commute him and and be able to give him a free pass on this when everybody is leaning in on him saying we got to tear this dude apart we got to we got to literally let him rot in the jail cell or execute him which has been something we've seen uh, a couple of people bring up you know some of the senators like Ben Sass even which surprised me that that he was saying this that he needs to rot in jail for the rest of ever it's a hmm. One thing that that is absolutely clear, and I think that you can agree with this, is that Julian Assange doesn't work for the government. He works for the people. Bringing truth to the atrocities that have been committed is what journalism is supposed to be about. He is the only journalist that is working and functioning today in this world. Um, When we look at CNN, like you're saying, when we look at Fox News, when we look at MSNBC, when we look at the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these other media agencies, the one thing that they don't have behind them is the truth. Julian Assange, like you said, WikiLeaks has never been challenged on the validity of what they've produced, on what they've provided to the people. Correct. And so this is why it is the utmost importance them to tear away at this and like what you had pointed out before with the alex jones and like what we're seeing right now where president trump is talking about a state-ran media something that we criticize north korea for doing something that we criticize um any country for doing but when 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 we have it here in america somehow this is going to be better we need julian assange's we need uh edward snowden's we need people that are going to really speak truth to the power and and as a, a civil libertarian, as a libertarian, as as what you describe me as as an angry libertarian, um, it's good that we have we have these people, and it's it's waking people up. And so, it's it's always beautiful to have you on my side. It's always beautiful to to really push this agenda. 
or this narrative, this optic that is so against the the mainstream Republican and Democratic stance that he's been a traitor against our party. Yep. That he's been um, because if we look through just the last ten years, right when he was going after Hillary Clinton on the 2016 election, he was Republicans' best friends. Was he right? President Trump's or then candidate uh, Trump. Uh, supporters, best friend, fantastic. When he went against George W. Bush, he was Democrats' best friends. Yeah. And and all of the events that he's been in, it's been one side or the other. And now finally, both sides are aligned on this. And this is when you know a true tragedy is occurring, when both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party both are uniformed on the stance that this is a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, Hillary Clinton came out and accused him of being a puppet of the Russian regime, completely ignoring all of the vo- of all of the work he's done against Vladimir Putin and his oppression of the free press in, in free press in Russia. So it's it's a nonpartisan yeah. endeavor, and you know, I think it's interesting what you say about you know your first point about you know you don't see Donald Trump as some kind of angel figure here. We don't even have to go that far, I don't think. Why don't we just take Trump at his word? Why don't we take the president? At his word, the president believes in mm-hmm. you know American supremacy. Does he not? Like he he Absolutely. wants America to be the the big dog, and that's fine. That's fine. You want your country to be the absolute best country on planet Earth. He wants to dominate. He wants to make America great again. So why then would he want or allow uh, you know an organization to exist which directly threatens and undermines that supremacy? With releasing, yeah. you know, damaging well, information. I think certain, yeah, and certainly when it comes to that, though, if you want to be the best, right? If you look at any of the big corporations out there, you look at Amazon, you look at Walmart, you look at all these different people, they're listening to their critics. They're listening to the issues that are there because they have to figure out how to make that better. And so certainly looking at it in hindsight um, is not something that a lot of people want to do, but that's how you actually make it better. So if we want to be the best and, and certainly I want America to be the best, I, sure. I, I believe in, in the, uh, the instilled freedoms and liberties that were supposed to be protected by our government. I believe in all those things. If they were to listen and actually say, yes, these were atrocious things that we've done in the past and, and be able to change that and say, we're going to learn from our past and make a better future then we can be better. And so Julian Assange is one of those people that is going to be pivotal, is going to be so important to not not criticize, push down, and throw into a cell, but actually lift up and say, thank you for doing what you're doing. And uh, we, we, we're, we're listening and we're becoming better. And I think that that's, that's something that people don't it, – it's hard to accept the criticism. Sure. Um, just one more thing before I let you go, mate. Do you think – if if it turns out that Julian Assange ends up, you know, fighting rats in a jail cell somewhere for his daily bread, do you think that this is mm-hmm. more likely to hurt Donald Trump in the long term, or will it help him in regards to you know his popularity? Um, I t- I tend to think that this this actually could be something that people. I mean, because we've had groups like Amnesty International come out and speak out against the extradition of Julian Assange. So, you know, people mm-hmm. might say, well, of course, Amnesty International, that's a lefty organization. But then again, remember, Julian Assange was the hero of the right only two years ago. So um, yeah. I think there's, I think I you might think be creating matters. enemies, right? 
I don't, I don't think it matters in the long run because I think so, so many people are so solidified and, and, and where they are, right? You have the anti-Trump movement, you have the Trump movement, you have people that are like you and I, and, and sadly we're in the major or in the minority, a vast minority where we're, 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 we're patting backs and slapping wrists as they're, as they're warranted, as they're needed. And, um, so even for us, I don't think in the grand scheme of things, it's going to change the needle. It's not going to move the meat needle in any way on if we support him more or we support him less. I don't think mm. that um, this will be influential enough which for is 99.9% of the population. Which is probably the worst possible thing for Julian Assange, because if it's going to be, yes, you know, if, if he's, if he's, life ending is completely irrelevant to the political spectrum as it plays out into the future with campaigns and elections, then there's really nothing keeping him alive at this point. So. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I fear for him. I mean, I don't, I don't get emotionally affected by politics, but, uh, this definitely, definitely, uh, punched Wishing me in the gut pretty hard this morning. So, uh, yeah. but I appreciate you for letting me come on and, uh, take care, man. Always love the show. Thank you for everything that you put out. Thanks so much for joining us. Jason Lyon, Bearded Truth. You can follow him at Mr. America on Twitter. Thanks for calling in, mate. Appreciate it. Interesting thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think this will help Donald Trump? Do you think it will hurt him? How do you think this plays out? Do what about here's a here's something that somebody raised with me earlier today. What about the timing? The timing's interesting. Directly after William Barr announced that he was going to investigate the beginning of the Russian collusion investigation. But of course, like we played on the show yesterday, he didn't actually announce that yesterday. He announced that in January in his confirmation hearing when he was asked by Lindsey Graham, do you promise to investigate how the Russian investigation started? And he said, yes, I do. I will investigate that. So we've known for, you know, the better part of four months that that's exactly what William Barr was going to do. So the corporate press pretending like this is some kind of revelation, some kind of bombshell. Well, I, f I found that highly amusing because they're not paying attention. Or they're lying to you. Or they're deliberately lying to you. So if anyone else wants to call in, I've got one more article to do here and then I'll probably... Shut the phones down. So if you want to call in, get in now. Let us know what you think. Have your say. And I appreciate the two previous callers, Jason. And I think it was Poppy who called first. I'm not sure. I think it was Poppy. So, you know, you can... At times like this, I think you have to go to tabloid trash to get the truth. Julian Assange smeared poo over the walls of the Ecuadorian embassy. <laughs> See, this is why I love tabloid trash. Because it is trash. And people love it because it's trash. Julian Assange smeared poo over the walls of the Ecuadorian embassy during his seven-year stay as he attempted to dodge arrest in London, it has been claimed. Why would smearing poo on the wall dodge an arrest? I'm not sure. Like, are, are the coppers standing out the side of the door going, um... Oh, Mate, he's wiping shit all over the wall in there. I'm not going in there. It fucking stinks, mate. I'm not going to get covered in shit to get this fucking Aussie out, this convict. You go in there. No, you go in there. 
I'm not getting covered in shit. He's, 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 oh no, he's wiping it all over the bed now. You filthy bastard. <laughs> he's trying to evade arrest by smearing human shit on the wall. Okay, good plan. Good plan, bro. Assange was pulled out of his bolt hole and bundled into a police van today after Ecuador dropped his asylum status. He now faces extradition to the US after he leaked numerous sensitive documents on the war on terror. The other interesting side of this is why did Ecuador drop the asylum status? They're saying because, oh, you know, his health was getting bad. If he had to stay there longer, he would have been a lot sicker. It's probably better than dying while strapped to a table, I suspect. But I tend to think that there was something else at play here. Maybe some kind of deal, maybe some kind of threat was made to the nation of Ecuador, perhaps. By the United States government, who's to say? I mean, it's not like it's never happened before, right? He now faces extradition to the US after he leaked numerous sensitive documents on the war on terror. The WikiLeaks boss has now been accused of smearing poo over the walls of the embassy in Knightsbridge. (laughs) Ecuador's interior minister made the revelation as Assange appeared in court for breaching his bail over now-dropped rape allegations in Sweden. The country's president, Lenin Moreno, also accused the 47-year-old Australian of, quote, discourteous and aggressive behavior (laughs) so he was a little bit rude so we thought fuck him let's send him to the united states also he smears poo on the wall ecuadorian president rafael correa when assange was granted asylum branded moreno a traitor interior minister maria paulo romo hit back by claiming correa had allowed assange to get away with some unimaginable behavior She said, quote, during his stay at the Ecuadorian embassy, during the government of the former president, Rafael Correa, they tolerated things like Mr. Assange putting feces on the walls of the embassy and other types of behavior of this kind. That is far removed from the minimum respect a guest should have in a country which has generously welcomed him. The minister did not make it clear if he had used his own poo or someone else's. Got to get to the real truth here. As questions were asked of the status of Assange's cat, James. There's Jules. The the Ecuadorian ambassador to Britain said Assange was disrespectful, continually a problem, interfered in elections, politics, and the internal affairs of other countries. Officers detained the scruffy beard sporting Assange after the Ecuadorian government withdrew his asylum, blaming his, quote, repeated violations of, quote, international conventions and daily life protocols. The Ecuadorian ambassador to the UK, Jamie Marchand, said that in the time uh, has remained in the embassy, they have, quote, respected every single right he has. But listings, listing examples of the 47-year-old's behaviour during that period, Mr. Marchand said he repeatedly interfered with the internal affairs of other countries. There you go. The poo-smearing Julian Assange, eh? Well, maybe it's a good, maybe it's a good thing that the death of internet freedom and the death of free speech and journalism internationally, maybe it's a good thing it's all coming to an end because why the hell should we support some poo smearing convict in an embassy in London? Absolutely disgusting behaviour. All right, well, I think I'll take a, a quick five minute break. No one else is going to call in, so. Thanks to the guys who did call in. 
I think we'll leave the Assange stuff there. When I get back, we'll have other stuff to go over. I've got plenty of weird, wonderful articles from around the web. Actually going to do a little bit of follow-up. Remember the, the woman who married a zombie doll? She's back. She's back in the news. I was so excited when I came across this story of the zombie doll woman. I was like, oh, it's giddy. I couldn't wait to, to talk to you about it. So, so we'll take a quick five-minute break. We'll be right back with more stories, more videos. If you want to stick around, thank you so much for doing so. If you don't want to stick around, you want to go somewhere, somewhere else, then so long, sucker. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9.30 to 10.30 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 11.30, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's it's there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you, trampling on your dreams. You need to get rid of them. That's selling fear. There's fear of freedom. I mean, why do, why do you think, why do you think safe spaces exist? 
The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings, trigger warnings. Just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them. in hot coming back welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if you didn't, fuck you. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure over the coming weeks, months, even years, we're going to learn more about this Julian Assange thing. But of course, if he goes to trial, we won't learn anything because all of the records will be sealed because it involves classified information. So those hoping to dis to discover the truth about what Julian Assange knows are going to be very disappointed, I suspect. But I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Like I like I promised you, the follow-up. So, I think it was like a month ago, 6 weeks ago, we did a story um there was a woman who got married in a ceremony in Oklahoma in the OK to a zombie doll. Well, um, the marriage the marriage is doing fine, but the woman is struggling with the public perception of her relationship to this thing. Who would have thunk it, right? I mean, I thought we were past all that. I see interracial couples together all the time now. So, you know, 
woman and zombie doll, I wouldn't have thought. I thought we were better than that. I thought we've progressed past this, this hate, this bigotry, but apparently not. Woman who consummated marriage to zombie doll says people think it's a dead child. <laughs> Dragging a dead child around the streets, kissing it, holding its hand. Jesus Christ. I, I, you know what? This might sound crass. I don't know what's worse. Oh my God, are you are you dragging around a dead child? No, no, it's my husband. It's a zombie doll. Wow, that's actually far worse. That's much more frightening. <laughs> a zombie bride has turned to police to convince other people that she is married to a doll. So she's gone to the cops. Not enough people are believing. Not enough people believe me that I'm married to a zombie doll, officer. <laughs> Can you please help me? Can you please help? Make them believe me. Felicity Cadillac Rossi, or Rossi, 20, wed the doll after an emotional and intimate seven-year relationship and says they even consummated their marriage. However, since sharing her love for the doll, who Felicity says is called Kelly Rossi and is 37... <laughs> oh, my God. The doll is nearly twice her age. That's disgusting. The doll's, or, the doll's old enough to be your father, Felicity. I wonder what her parents said. Couldn't couldn't you get a younger doll? Couldn't you get a doll closer to your own age, Felicity? She's always had a thing for older dead men. She has received messages of hate with people believing her wife is a dead child. <laughs> There's the happy couple. <laughs> Iowa Trump says, sorry, you're losing me here. Too weird. Oh, we, we've only just started. We're only just getting warmed up. She's enlisted the help of her local police in Veneta, Oklahoma, to get them to verify her other half is just a doll. I guess the doll needs some kind of ID. <laughs> uh, Felicity said... I decided to go to the police because I was told that people were calling the cops saying that my wife was a dead child. Even when I was telling people that she's just a doll, people weren't believing me, so I decided to go to the police to get some verification. When, <laughs> can you imagine being the copper standing there behind the desk when this, when this walks in? <clears throat> With this complaint? Like dragging this, this zombie doll in? Um, can I help you? Yes, I just wanted to get some ID for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> this this is your wife here? <clears throat> Where's your wife? Is she in the car? No, this is her. Right. <laughs> call, call the hospital. I think we've got one that's escaped. I'm sick of people thinking that Kelly is a child and insinuating that I like children. So I knew I had to get this clarified to put an end to these claims. Yes, because your reputation is important. I mean, you can't have people around town thinking that you're getting it on with a dead child. Your re reputation is everything these days. So she wanted to clear her name. No, you sick motherfuckers. I'm not getting it on with a dead child. I'm married to a zombie doll. Show some respect. Show some goddamn respect. You horrible people. 
During her visit to Vanita Police Station on the 28th of March, Felicity took a photograph with Kelly and a policeman who was holding a sign stating, Vanita Police checked it out, it's just a doll. Felicity hopes that by going to the police, people will leave her and Kelly alone to enjoy their relationship. <laughs> she said, I met Kelly when I was younger as a friend and it grew into a relationship. We, were just, we just started off as friends. Like myself, Kelly aged with me and I have only ever, ever seen her as an adult. She has never been a child in my eyes. Although she is just a doll, I believe that the energy that Kelly has is that of an adult and that's what I love about her. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Kelly was created as a Halloween doll and wasn't created to have any likeness to a child. She's just a zombie. Just a zombie? Come on, that's one very special zombie right there. That's a zombie. That's a, that's a dead ball of joy that you've got yourself there. You're a very lucky woman. Very lucky woman. I'm sure the town is incredibly jealous. And I'm glad that, you know, now nobody is going to think that you're carrying around a dead child. Now everybody knows that you're just married to a zombie doll that looks like a child. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, speaking of having sex with inanimate objects, Michael Avenatti's in a bit of trouble. I'm going to break the break, take you straight out to Los Angeles. This is Nick Hanna, the U.S. attorney in Los Angeles, announcing charges against attorney Michael Avenatti. Has returned a 36-count indictment against attorney Michael Avenatti. This indictment is now the operative charging document in the case. The indictment substantially broadens the criminal conduct that was charged in the criminal complaint that was unsealed on March 25th. The charges now being alleged against Mr. Avenatti can be broken down into four general categories. First, wire fraud related to the theft of millions of dollars from five clients, including a paraplegic man <laughs> who agreed to a multi-million dollar settlement. Whoa! Paraplegic man. Michael Avenatti going the whole hog. Getting the guys in the wheelchairs too. Well, bravo, Mr. Avenatti. I think it's sensational because he was the moral compass of the United States for a good 12 months. Remember, he was on CNN and MSNBC so often, he averaged over a three-month period, three television appearances per day. Per day. <laughs> <laughs> he was on MSNBC so often, I thought that he must have an office there, or at least he was being allowed to sleep on the floor of somebody else's office. Now we find out that that probably wasn't far from the truth, considering that he was so hard up for cash, he was stealing money from guys in wheelchairs. Wow but has received only a fraction of the money despite the fact that Mr. Avenatti received the full settlement amount over four years ago. Second, tax fraud, including failing to file income tax returns for himself and his law firm. Oh. Remember, remember when he was on TV every day? No, we are going to hunt down Donald Trump's tax returns. Donald Trump owes it to the American people we are not going to stop until we get his tax returns out in the public. Well, God bless the uh, federal prosecutors because now through no fault of his own, 
Michael Avenatti is going to have his tax returns released to the public. Isn't that the darndest thing? Isn't it funny how the universe comes around full circle sometimes? Every single day on TV, we're getting Donald Trump's tax returns. Donald Trump needs to release his tax returns. We're going to write a letter to the federal prosecutors demanding that they release Donald Trump's tax returns. (laughs) This guy must be a fucking idiot. Why would you turn yourself into a spectacle if you are committing all of these crimes? Why would you go on TV? Generally, if, if you're a smart crook, you want to keep a low profile. You know what I mean? Like, if you rob the bank, you don't walk out the front, rip off your balaclava and start swinging the bag of money around over your head. Hey, look at me. I just robbed a bank. Woo! Come and get me. Nobody does that. <laughs> Avenatti does. He must have balls the size of bowling balls to think that he could get away with this. As you will hear in a few minutes from Special Agent in Charge Corner, Mr. Avenatti also allegedly took steps designed to obstruct an IRS collection. He was obstructing justice too. (laughs) Hide his coffee company's income and prevent the IRS from collecting on a series of tax liens and levies filed since 2017. See, you know what the best part about this Avenatti thing is? Do you know what the absolute best part about this is? There is so much content on Michael Avenatti because he was on TV three times a day. All you've got to do is put into YouTube Michael Avenatti and then say like six months ago, a year ago, you will have hundreds of videos to pick from. I chose one. I chose one. This was Michael Avenatti a year ago on CNN, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to what he wants about, listen to the information that he's seeking about Donald Trump one year ago. Stormy Daniels lawyer Michael Avenatti is sending this letter to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, requesting that he publicly release a bank's suspicious activity report. (laughs) 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 Yes. You can just see Avenatti typing it up, can't you? Dear Mr. Mnuchin, I demand that you release Donald Trump's suspicious bank activity report to me. All the while, he's counting the money that he's stealing from guys in wheelchairs. (laughs) Suspicious activity? You've got some gall, mate. What a daft little prick you are. Stormy Daniels lawyer Michael Avenatti is sending this letter to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin requesting that he publicly release a bank's suspicious activity report related to the $130,000 payment from Donald Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen. No, Donald Trump is a really bad guy, okay? Listen, I'm going to prison for what I did. I'm very sorry for what I did. And I defended Donald Trump and I shouldn't have defended him. And I'm here trying to tell the truth about Donald Trump. That he's a very bad man. He's, I was in a limousine once and he said some racist things. And it was horrible. And Donald Trump, Donald Trump is not a charitable man. I'm a very good man. I do things for people. I love my wife. I love my children. But D- Donald Trump is a very bad man. Very bad man. 
banks must file such reports about unusual transactions they suspect have no business or apparent lawful purpose or that involve <laughs> speaking of unusual transactions <laughs> Michael Avenatti demanding from Steve Mnuchin bank records from Donald Trump because he accuses Donald Trump of having unusual transactions with no lawful purpose say what say what Mr Avenatti say what Third, bank fraud. Including the allegations in the original complaint. Bank fraud! <laughs> oh, you silly, silly man. You stupid man. What the hell were you thinking? What the hell were you thinking? Going on cable news, gallivanting around the country, getting up on a pedestal. Demanding, demanding people investigate other people for suspicious bank activity. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? I could just imagine Michael Avenatti's mother slapping him, like slapping him on the forehead. What are you, some kind of idiot? What the hell were you thinking? What the hell was that? <laughs> what, you wanted to be famous or something? What the hell is wrong with this kid? I don't know. There's something wrong with this kid. He's got a couple of screws loose. You know what I'm saying? Then Mr. Avenatti received three loans from a Mississippi bank based on applications supported by phony tax returns. And fourth, bankruptcy fraud. The indictment alleges that... It's a good question in the chat, General Leighton. Do these people accomplish Alinsky tactics purposefully or through stupidity? I'm not even sure anymore. I don't even know. I'm not even, I, I don't, I just think he, he was completely lacking in self-awareness or he just thought he was indestructible. Maybe he thought he was protected. You know what I mean? Hey, if you go after Donald Trump, if you make this thing stick, don't worry, we'll look after you. And he probably thought to himself, great, now I could just rip off everybody. Now I can get away with it. I've got a golden ticket. You know what I mean? After his law firm was forced into bankruptcy over two years ago, Mr. Avenatti has repeatedly lied to the bankruptcy court, to the bankruptcy <laughs> trustee, and to his creditors by failing to report income his bankrupt firm was receiving. I mean, <laughs> again, last year. All funds that may be derived from illegal activities designed to hide illegal activities or to evade regulations. Remember, this is what he was accusing Donald Trump of. Quiet about an alleged affair she says she had wow. with Trump in 2006. Avenatti also wants Secretary Mnuchin to release other documentation related to the payment, which he argues is an illegal campaign contribution. <sighs> illegal? This as lawyers for Cohen. Donald Trump, had a, Donald Trump did something illegal with the money? Donald Trump did something illegal with the money. Investigate him. He's the witch. Investigate him. I'm not the witch. He's the witch. He's the one who did it. I'm the innocent. I'm the good guy. Don't take me. I hate Donald Trump. I'm one of you. <laughs> These four areas of what criminal conduct alleged in the indictment are all linked to one another. Uh, because money generated from one set of crimes yep. was used to further other crimes. Incredible. Typically in the form of payments designed to string along victims <laughs> so as to pre prevent Mr. Avenatti's financial house of cards from collapsing. Wow. Do you want to do an experiment? 
let's put in Avenatti Trump money and just see what comes up from like six months ago. This is going to be a new game. Avenatti Trump money. Let's just see what he was saying on TV six months ago. Okay. This is from three, three months ago. Okay, seven months ago on MSNBC. Let's have a look. Seven months ago. Let's see what he was saying. Donald Trump has officially, in writing, surrendered to Michael Avenatti. <laughs> One of the president's many lawyers. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to play? We've, we've just invented a new drinking game. You just put in Michael Avenatti Trump money and see what videos come up. And if Michael Avenatti accuses Donald Trump of doing something illegal with money, you take a drink. You are going to be blind drunk in no time whatsoever, my man. Put that surrender in writing on Saturday in a filing in federal court in California in the case of Stephanie Clifford, also known as Stormy Daniels versus Stormy Donald Daniels. J. Trump, also known as David Dennison. David the Dennison. high-priced lawyer in that case, Charles Harder, is finally doing what I've always said he should have done at What's the very that? beginning What's of the that? Stormy Daniels What's case, that? and that is simply free Stormy Daniels from the non-disclosure agreement that <sighs> she signed. Yeah. Legal hell has rained down on Donald Trump and Michael. <laughs> Legal hell. The fires of hell and brimstone. Satan is sticking his red hot poker up the asshole of Donald Trump as we speak. Legal hell has rained down upon Donald Trump. Uh, how about this? Uh, 11 months ago on The View, ladies and gentlemen. There's always something brewing on the stormy front these days from Michael Cohen pleading nearly a year ago to Donald Trump admitting that Cohen <laughs> did indeed rep him in the Daniels case. Yeah. Here to give, give us on the latest. Yeah, we TV got him now. Is our favorite TV guy now. I love you on television so much. The legal. <laughs> He's our favorite TV guy. I love him on television so He's much. Always entertaining, Michael Avenatti. Always entertaining. Yep, when he's not ripping off people in wheelchairs and extorting companies for millions of dollars, he's our favorite TV guy. He's so entertaining. He's so lovable. He just tells the truth. He's a warrior for the truth. I mean, there he is. Somebody you, know, you know, Joel, you've set a very, very high bar for me here today. <laughs> <laughs> you've set a high bar for me here today. You know that? You know, Joy, you've set a high bar for me. <laughs> wonder what he's going to look like when he's traipsing around in his orange jumpsuit. What kind of high bar will that be? The high bar will be the bar in the exercise yard, which you won't be allowed to use because the African-American men will be doing chin-ups. <laughs> and you'll just have to watch on from the distance, Michael. What, that you're cute? <laughs> well. That's well, well we, everybody agrees. I, I feel the love, yeah. Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Okay. So you don't Michael, have to say Michael, I think anything. you're very cute. <laughs> well, I actually think you're much cuter than Oh, my God. Oh, isn't it's it like wonderful? Grown... Everybody loves him. He's so cute and adorable. Oh, my God. Come on, let's, let's get to the goss, Michael. 
Enough with the circle jerk. Why don't you tell us about all the illegal things Donald Trump is doing with the money? What do you say? Well, I, I, I don't think so, Joy. No. I mean, I think the problem is, is that the president has now contradicted his statements on April 5th or 6th on Air Force One and also mm -hmm. contradicted mm -hmm. what Michael Cohen has been trying to sell the American people for yeah. weeks and months now. Yeah. That yeah. namely, he did this on his own yeah. and the president knew nothing about it. I mean, yeah. all you have to do is look at the host, the look on the face of the host on Fox and Friends. Even they knew how bad it they was. Were what, they were Look at the face on this guy. Even he knew that he was stealing money from people in fucking wheelchairs when he was doing these shows, pretending to be a great guy. My favourite guy on television. My favourite guy on TV. <laughs> Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti feel vindicated by Trump's guilty plea. Trump's Cohen's guilty plea. I spoke to it's my client about game. an hour ago. We feel incredibly vindicated. Wolf, you know, there's a lot of... He spoke to his client soon after that where his client said, I'm firing you because you're stealing money from me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, here we go. This will be a good one. This will be the peace deal. Is I will have much more ahead on the millions of dollars Morning, that Joe. seem to flow to Trump's attorney and fixer Michael Cohen. Morning Joe was a personal favorite of Michael Avenatti. And after the election, MSNBC's Ari Melber joins us with his new reporting. Maybe he knows what's on the DVD. Oh. This was... I'm serious. Oh, okay. This no. was May the 9th in 2018. Michael Avenatti. Oh, I'm serious. That's ridiculous. You don't tweet Sam, that and then say that, you know, the not come through. Sam thinks it's a uh, burning right, copy of He did not gross. come through. Yeah, it's a kind of You should show it off the record. Do you think yeah. the DVD is I've the been pumpkin skeptical. papers of the age of Trump? Pumpkin papers. I think so, yes. I mean, I was, listen, I was very skeptical so. early on. But if you look at Michael Avenatti, he has done to Donald Trump what nobody else has been able to do since he first rode down that golden escalator. <laughs> he has beaten Trump at its, his own game. Michael Avenatti has beaten Trump at his own game, and Michael Avenatti will soon be being beaten in a federal prison yard. Thanks to his extortion and theft and tax evasion and money laundering. Oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. How the mighty fall. Oh, well, shit happens. Tough shit. Police dog. <laughs> this is a fun one. Police dog with the same name with the same name as a Nazi general gets a name change. Look at this handsome devil. Isn't he gorgeous? The dog's handler named the dog Rommel after a childhood pet, not a Nazi general. It's a furor the Lake County Sheriff's Department did not see coming. A blood a bloodhound with the same name as a Nazi general. Early Friday morning, the Florida Department announced its newest canine officer, a bloodhound named Rommel with a Twitter post. Meet LSC, uh, LCSO's newest bloodhound, Rommel. He is a 10-week-old liver-coloured bloodhound now assigned to Master Deputy Meinschel. Rommel will soon begin his rigorous training to support the community by locating missing persons, fugitives, and evidence. Welcome aboard, Rommel. <laughs> Unfortunately, the department didn't notice that the bloodhound had the same name as Erwin Rommel a German field marshal and general who commanded Nazi forces in North Africa during World War II, 
according to the Florida Sun Sentinel, but Twitter users sure did. This is where it gets fun. Because there's nothing I hate more than when people talk about, uh, you need to learn, you know, when people on Twitter say shit like, you need to learn your history. You need to learn your history. I'm like, oh, okay, why is that? Look at this guy. This is what can happen when folks aren't well-versed in history. Naming police dogs after World War II German Wehrmacht generals is probably not the best idea, says Glenn Stevens. And I thought, well, you know, Erwin Rommel. Erwin Rommel isn't, wasn't actually that bad. What? You're defending a Nazi? Let me go to Wiki, Wikipedia, ladies and gentlemen. Wikipedia. You know, obviously a known right-wing conspiracy website, Wikipedia. Rommel was a highly decorated officer in World War One and was awarded the Poire Le Maitret for his actions on the Italian front. In 1937, he published his classic book on military tactics, infantry tactics, drawing on his experiences from World War One. In World War II, he distinguished himself as a commander of the 7th Panzer Division during the 1940 invasion of France. His leadership of German and Italian forces in the North African campaign established his reputation as one of the most able tank commanders of the war and earned him the nickname the Desert Fox. Among his British adversaries, he, he earned a strong reputation for chivalry and the North African campaign has often been called a war without hate. He later commanded the German forces opposing the Allied cross-channel invasion of Normandy in June 1944. So the guy's saying, why don't you read up on history and figure out, figure out that Rommel was a bad guy? Okay, you want to learn about Erwin Rommel? Here you go. Rommel supported the Nazi seizure of power and Adolf Hitler, although his reluctant stance towards anti-Semitism, Nazi ideology, and the level of knowledge of the Holocaust remain a matter of debate among scholars. In 1944, Rommel was implicated in the July 20 plot to assassinate Hitler. He tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Why don't you learn your history? You can't name your dog after Erwin Rommel. <laughs> Due to Rommel's stature, uh, status as a national hero, Hitler desired to eliminate him quietly instead of immediately executing him, as many other plotters were. Rommel was given a choice between committing suicide in return for assurances that his reputation would remain intact and that his family would not be persecuted following his death, or facing a trial that would result in his disgrace and execution. He chose the former and committed suicide using a cyanide pill. Rommel was given a state funeral, and it was announced that he had succumbed to his injuries from the strafing of his staff car in Normandy. So there you go. And I mean, the guy was highly respected as a military genius by the people that he was fighting against. Erwin Rommel. He, he disliked anti-Semitism. He wasn't in favour of Nazi ideology. He was a military man, so he took orders. We want you to invade there. He's like, okay, I will invade. I will do the best I can. I'll do the best I can to win the war. And then he also tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler. <laughs> but then you get idiots on Twitter like this. This is what can happen when folks aren't well-versed in history. Naming police dogs after World War II German Wehrmacht generals is probably not the best idea. Sorry, Glenn Stevens. What the fuck would you know? What the fuck would you know about Erwin Rommel? <laughs> Sorry, bro. The Pope's in the news again. 
Calling Lionel Messi God is sacrilege. Pope Francis warns football fans. Oh, oh. Look out, football fans. Barcelona fans often call Messi D10S, a combination of the Spanish word for God, Dios, with the number 10 on his shirt. Messi versus the Pope. This could get messy. He's arguably the greatest footballer to ever play the game, but fans shouldn't call Lionel Messi God, according to the Pope. Oh, sorry, Pope. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> really? Sorry about that. Hey, still protecting pedophiles? Still doing that? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for calling Lionel. I'm sorry for giving a footballer a god nickname. Still protecting those child fuckers over there or what? Mm. Speaking of sacrilege, <laughs> the pontiff says using the term to describe the Barcelona star is theoretically sacrilege and has warned supporters against doing it. Asked about the subject on the Spanish television channel La Sexta. Pope Francis said, in theory, it is sacrilege. It shouldn't be said. I do not believe it. When presenter Hordy Evole suggested he did believe Messi was God, Pope Francis replied with a chuckle. I don't. People could call him God just as they might say, I adore you, but only God can be worshipped. Saying he's God with the ball on the pitch is a popular way to express yourself. He's great to watch, but he's not God. Exactly, Jennifer in the chat. You got bigger problems than Messi, Popestar. <laughs> exactly. I'll never forget uh, Alex Jones's impression of the Pope. It was just the best. It was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, tell you what, let's do this one. This one is horrific. So for people who don't know, maybe I can find a short little video to explain it. Give me one second. How about Anzac Day for kids? <laughs> All right. What is Anzac Day? So for my American brothers and sisters that don't know what Anzac Day is, this one's made for kids, so you should be able to get it. We celebrate Anzac Day every April 25th, but why is it considered our most important national occasion? The Anzacs, or the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, were the brave soldiers who stood fought and died during the First World War. The First World War started in 1914. At that time, Australia had been under the control of the British Empire for 13 years and New Zealand for seven years. In 1915, Australia and New Zealand became witnesses to the new army of volunteer soldiers. The brave forces went out to the Gallipoli Peninsula to claim Constantinople, the capital of the Ottoman Empire and one of Germany's allies. The Anzacs landed on April 25th, but the Ottoman Turkish defenders were ready for the attack. The soldiers knew that winning was impossible. Nevertheless, they continued to fight for eight months. Notwithstanding the hardships, bloodshed and the loss of over 8,000 lives, the end of 1915 marked the end of the battle for the Anzacs. They were successfully evacuated by the British. The story of the soldiers, the Anzac legends who gave their lives in Gallipoli, hit the hearts of the citizens of Australia and New Zealand. In 1916, they made April the 25th the day these heroes are to be remembered for their sacrifices and their commitment to uphold liberty at all costs. 
Today, Australia and New Zealand hold special events each year to remember and express their gratitude to the Knights of Gallipoli, who selfishly risked their lives for the common good and for believing that their respective countries are worth fighting and dying for. Blessed we forget. Well, not anymore, I'm afraid. Not anymore, because New Zealand veterans cancel Anzac Day events following Christchurch shootings. Fears of a backlash to the Christchurch terror attack have seen some Anzac Day commemorations in New Zealand cancelled. The Return Services Association in West Auckland, which would be like our version of the VA, even though I'm not in New Zealand, there's a lot of similarities, of course, on the North Island said it will not be holding commemorations on April 25. Helensville RSA president Les Cost said events had been axed following concerns over counter-actions to the Christchurch mosque shootings that left 50 people dead. The total number across Auckland will be reduced from 84 last year to 26 this year after appeals by police. It is with regret that we have had to cancel the Helensville Anzac Day events for this year only, for just just this year. We're only cancelling something that's been going on for over 100 years just this once. And I, I swear, we're only going to cancel this 100-year tradition just this one time, okay? Okay? So just chill out. Don't act crazy. Don't act like we're doing something crazy here. You know, don't act like we're giving in to terror or, or something like that, Okay? You know, don't don't act just because we're afraid of revenge attacks that we're not going to commemorate Anzac Day, which has been commemorated for over a hundred years, which honoured the bravery of New Zealanders in wars, literally. It's just this once. Okay? So just chill. All West Auckland RSAs have also cancelled their local events due to government policy only selected sites are suitable. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, here's, let's see what Jacinda Arden has to say. Oh, there you go. Nephew-in-law from Melbourne. Extremist right-wing ideology. The New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has come out fighting. She says there is no room for this type of thinking here in New Zealand or anywhere around the world. And She's no, spoken on the BBC. And, and no room for Anzac Day either, it, it, it seems. Saying that countries need to come together to develop strategies and processes to fight this type of thinking. She says not only ah. has it affected Christchurch fight this type of thinking see again i would have thought you want to fight people who want to shoot other people you know wouldn't you want to fight the people who think you know who get righteous and pick up a gun and start gunning down innocent civilians in a place of worship wouldn't you want to fight that fight this type of thinking you know in situations like this <clears throat> i'm not trying to sound callous or cold here but in situations like this, I defer to one of the greatest minds who ever lived, uh, the mind of Thomas Saul, who's an African-American gentleman, an economist, a, a student of Milton Friedman, who's written a number of books, one of them, uh, Vision of the Anointed. And his argument is that racism isn't really a problem. Remember, he's a black guy. And he says racism isn't a problem because people can think whatever the hell they want. Racism is only a problem if people act on that. So it's the action that is the problem. 
But if if somebody's walking around in Harlem thinking, oh, I hate all these black people, or even saying that I hate all these black people, that's not necessarily a problem. If they start discriminating against people, like, you know, if that if that thought or that belief manifests itself in some kind of action, then that's that's the problem. But the problem isn't the thinking. The problem is the action. But apparently not anymore. Because, hey, we've got to cancel Anzac Day. We've got to get rid of that kind of thought too. Isn't that fun? Well done, New Zealand. You're, you're sure, you're, you're certainly showing the rest of the world how brave you are. Uh, somebody posted this the other day. Just a bad day for bad guys. Let's check this out. It looks like it's somewhere in Russia. The, f- the first problem here is the guy is trying to rob a store holding a hammer. Now, a hammer can inflict a lot of damage on a person. I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure of that. But <laughs> we're talking about Russia here. You know, we, d- we did a, a video last week. There is a sport in Russia where people stand opposite each other at a desk and slap each other in the face until somebody gives up. That's a sport. So what damage you think you're going to inflict with just a hammer in Russia is beyond me. I saw a video once of a guy in Russia who got stabbed in the back and the knife was still in his back and he got up from his hospital bed and walked outside in his underwear. It was freezing outside. He walked outside to have a cigarette. (laughs) The nurse is going, where are you going? You've got a knife sticking out of your spine. He's like, shut up. I'm just going for a smoke. I'll be back in a minute. Fucking settle down, mate. (laughs) So if you're in Russia and you're trying to rob a place with a hammer, you're in deep shit. From the get-go. Okay, gets a bit of mace in the face. Oh, oh, it starts to hit him. He starts to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Stay focused, mate. Stay focused. Now is the time to run. Now is the time to get out of there. Feel your way out of there. He's still got the hammer. He's ready to strike. And the old mate comes over, grabs the hammer, and starts kneeing him in the balls, punching him in the face. <laughs> Runs back into the fridge. Look how casual this other guy is. Just casually walks over, picks up a chair. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the hammer. The hammer's gone. At this point, if you're the thief, you know you're pretty well fucked. It's game over. Look how he bent the legs on the chair. That is some quality striking right there. Sensational stuff. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, since the end of the Russia probe, since everything they've tried to throw at Donald Trump has been a complete and abject failure, I think it's time to resuscitate a story to get something else circulating back out there again. And since Michael Avenatti is going to prison, well, we can't use him, even though his office is now vacated. We're going to have to get ourselves a a new attack dog. But they never give up. CNN never gives up. They're always on the lookout for the next new old story to resuscitate, regurgitate, and spew back into your mouths like you are little baby birds waiting to be fed. This video came out today. Hush Money would be a really good band name. Like, Hush Money. They're opening for Arcade Fire next. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> good one, Chris. Good one, mate. <laughs> Moving on. Come on. We should go. 
Here's a thought experiment for you. What if the okay. Mueller investigation wasn't the biggest threat to Donald Trump's presidency? <laughs> what if... I love this shit. Here's a thought experiment for you. What if the Mueller investigation wasn't the biggest threat to Donald Trump's presidency? What, what, just like that? After two years, just like that? It's like, nah, hey, forget about the Mueller thing. All right, it's done. What What if, here's the thing, stop being angry about the Mueller report not yielding the kind of results you expected it to yield. Here's, here's a thought experiment for you. What if the Mueller report never even happened? <laughs> What do I mean? You know, you're thinking about the last two years where we've been talking about the Mueller report every single day, saying that Donald Trump is going to be indicted. He's going to be thrown in prison. It's all over for Donald Trump. Donald, the, the walls are closing in. The Mueller report is, is coming to an end. The Mueller report, the Mueller report, the Mueller report. So we've been doing that for the last two years. How about this? <laughs> Let me pitch this to you. What if that wasn't important at all? What do you think? Can we can we work on that? Can we get together on that? By the way, just just on the uh, the press, just quickly pulled up another video here, just to remind everybody. Does the public understand just how much trouble the president is in? To believe that the president isn't compromised requires such a leap of faith. I think we have all the proof we need of a scandal that's. Uh, arguably worse than Watergate. Do we know if there is still this belief and aspect right. that the president is working for the Russians? What if this none of this actually mattered at all? What if, like, what if this never happened? What if we could go back in time and never have spoken about the Mueller report at all? Would you still be interested? Would you still believe us? Would you still get something out of this clip? I can't answer that. The U.S. president possibly working for the Russians possibly an unwitting pawn. Now here's what the president said when asked if he was a secret Russian agent. The president did not directly answer the question. <laughs> Why not just say no, if that's the answer? There is tons of proof tons. of potential collusion. Oh, we have tons of it. Dramatic evidence of collusion. Dramatic evidence. How, how is it not collusion? How is it how is not, collusion? not collusion? The collusion piece of this, piece by piece, starting to be built out. A political hurricane is out there at sea for him. We'll call it Hurricane Vladimir, if you will. Hurricane Vladimir. Ladies and gentlemen, back to Chris Eliza. Hush Money would be a really good band name. Like, Hush Money. They're opening for Arcade Fire next month. We should go. Here's a thought experiment for you. What if the Mueller investigation wasn't the biggest threat to Donald Trump's presidency? <laughs> What if? <laughs> Shit. What if I could have my memory erased by one of those little gadgets in Men in Black? Like, okay, the last two years never happened. Okay, great. That's some. That's one hell of a thought experiment you've got over there. You've got rocket and rolling there on CNN, Chris. Thought experiment. I, I don't know if I want to have a thought a thought experiment conducted on me by people who have haven't been thinking for the last two years. You know what I mean? I don't think Chris Eliza is qualified to conduct a thought experiment right now. I think they need to do a lot more thinking of their own. I think they need to go back, think about what they've done, and then come back to us with the thought experiment. <laughs> it's too soon. It's too raw, Chris. You're not going to get everybody to pivot this this soon.
What if it was the ongoing probe into hush money paid to two women uh, alleging affairs with Trump? Ah, uh, okay. Real threat. It was Stormy Daniels all along. That was the real issue. It was never about Russia. It was never about Robert Mueller. It was never Mueller time. It's always been Stormy, baby. It's always been about Stormy. It's all about Stormy. It was about Stormy all along. Let's conduct a thought experiment. Now, I want you to picture Stormy Daniels. (laughs) Weird, right? After all, everyone in the political world, media, politicians, the president, has spent the better part of the last two years talking about, thinking about, and speculating on what might be in the Mueller report. We've spent a whole lot less time in Mindspace on that other investigation. Mindspace. I reckon Chris has got a lot of Mindspace. He's he's got so much Mindspace, there's rooms to rent. Other people can rent space in Chris Saliz's head right now with all the Mindspace. Conducted out of the Southern District of <laughs> Dr. S in the chat. Is this the brainstorming session for a daytime soap opera? Yes, it is. What if you still took us seriously? Yes, now that's a thought experiment. Sure. No, no, hear me out. <laughs> familiar with it? You're not alone. Here's a very brief tutorial. In the fall okay. of 2016, right in the final stretch of that presidential campaign, okay. Michael Cohen, Donald yep. Trump's lawyer and fixer, fixer. used a show company he set up in Delaware yep. to make a $130,000 payment to a woman named Stephanie yes. Clifford. Yeah. Clifford, who is a porn actress and director, is better known by her stage name, Stormy Daniel. Now, okay. Okay, so this is Chris Eliza telling us that Stormy Daniels has been the real issue all along. I just had an idea, like we did with Michael Avenatti. What if we put in Chris Eliza, Trump, Russia? See what happens. Eliza, two Zs, Trump, Russia. Let's see what we get here. Okay, Robert Mueller's explanation explained. Why Trump dumping sessions is a major Russia move. Oh, this one looks good. I've been offline for five minutes. Did Donald Trump fire anyone else? That's a real question. (laughs) One afternoon, President Donald Trump essentially took control of the Russia investigation. Surprise! So how did we get here? Well, Trump decided to follow... Is is he always this much of a douchebag? Is this a thing? up losing one chamber of Congress to the Democrats in the midterm elections by giving his off-maligned Attorney General Jeff Sessions the <clears throat> boot. That hurt. But honestly, was anyone really surprised? This is the sort of I do what feels right when it feels right move that has become Trump's hallmark over his past three years in political life. Okay. Trump has fired lots of senior staff and cabinet members since yep. taking office, but this one does matter for one major reason. Why is that? In firing sessions, Trump appears to have wrestled back operational control of special counsel Robert Mueller's probe Uh, into Russian interference in the 2016 election uh, and the possibility of collusion between Trump's campaign and a foreign power. Right. So the public announcement of the firing, delivered by Tweet, which is Trump's platform of choice for doing virtually everything, went like this, quote, We are pleased to announce that Matthew G. Whitaker, Chief of Staff to Attorney General Jeff Sessions at the Department of Justice, will become our new Acting Attorney General of the United States. He will serve our country well. We thank Attorney General... (laughs) Comment in the chat. Ducks Regionist, if you close your eyes, CC sounds exactly like AOC. There you go. Jeff Sessions for his service and wish him well. A permanent will be nominated at a later date. 
he sounds like he should be working at, um, you know, some kind of cheesy diner where everybody just has to be happy all the time. Remember that diner in Office Space? Where the guy's like, hey, sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like he should be working there. Where you just have to be painfully cheerful all the time, regardless of what's going on in your personal life. Sidebar. This has been coming for a very long time. Trump hated the fact that Sessions had recused himself. (laughs) Trump hated. Awkward. Fucking hell, mate. What is wrong with these people? Let's get back to the hush payments. The money Cohen paid was to buy Daniel silence. See, she was threatening to go public with allegations that in the mid-2000s, she and Donald Trump had an affair. And he needs more flair. Exactly. Intimate details. Now, you're wearing the minimum pieces of presidential candidate. This payoff by Cohen was one of two that he helped facilitate in that critical time period. He was also involved in the National Enquirer's parent company, company known as American Media Inc., buying the story of former Playboy model Karen McDougal. Okay. McDougal, like Daniel, said she had engaged in an extramarital affair with Trump. That was that was the f- most fun video we've ever done, I reckon, when we broke down that interview that Karen McDougal had with Anderson Cooper. It's on YouTube somewhere. Not many people have watched it, of course. Not many people watch my stuff, but it's called Communicating with the President. That was fucking hilarious. We had a great time. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, what if the Mueller investigation wasn't the real story here? What if the real story was the story that we hashed up 12 months ago that didn't go anywhere and now we need a new story because the Russian collusion story didn't go anywhere too? There you go. Here's your new... Here's, ladies and gentlemen, your new spin for the week. Thank you, Chris Saliza. Thank you for keeping us informed. I really appreciate it. Miss Marijuana beauty pageant asking for single and natural born women accused of sexism and transphobia. Miss Marijuana's the type of girl all the guys want and all the girls want to be friends with, says pageant. A new American beauty pageant called Miss Marijuana has been accused of sexism and transphobia because it stipulates contestants must be single, natural born woman. Miss Marijuana bills itself as a national pageant competition which is based on beauty, personality, intelligence that honors fun-loving young women, and I would suggest smoking a hell of a lot of smoking bongs before breakfast. Miss Marijuana is the proverbial girl next door with a great attitude, is friendly, honest, approachable, and confident. She reads a blurb on the pageant's website. She's the girl that makes all her boyfriend's buddies jealous. Contestants compete state by state, followed by a national contest, with the winner being crowned Miss Marijuana. Attractive, fun-loving, sexy, playful, and daring. But the beauty contest specifically states contestants must be between the ages of 18 and 30, adding that the applicant must be a Miss or a Ms. Oh, this is a big no-no today. This is a big no-no in today's world. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you stipulate stipulate that Miss Marijuana must be a miss? Don't you see how incredibly sexist that is? I got a second. I just, I got to hit this. Yeah, that's the shit. Yeah. Yeah, I can be a Miss Pothead or whatever it is. Yeah. 
Nah, man. Nah, dude. I don't even have a dick or anything. <sighs> oh, it's so high right now. Yeah, what is it? Miss Marijuana? Sure, man. Whatever. Oh, no. I'm going to have to shave my legs, aren't I? Damn it. I don't even remember where I put my razor. Can't wax. Oh, man. I don't like the way the wax feels. It's like it seeps into my skin or something. It's just, it's just too much. Yeah, cough, cough. <coughs> Got a cough to get off, bro. Winners of the state-level online competitions will then attend the national Miss Marijuana competition, which is being held in Las Vegas. Where else? Contestants are not required to use cannabis, but should be in favor of legalization. That's not good enough. I think the contestants should do a, a bucket bong on stage. It should be the swimsuit competition, the evening dress competition, the talent competition, but the talent competition should only be how many bongs you can hit in a 30-second period. You know what I mean? That's talent. Like if she gets one of those mega bongs that's got like five cones sticking out of it in all different directions and all everybody's lighting the different cones, like she's wearing a gas mask, like having having marijuana smoke pumped into her with like some kind of electric motor situation. Now that's the talent fucking, that's the talent portion of the show. And then it's going to be like, okay, now open this bag of Oreos. <laughs> my, my hands are like jelly. <laughs> I can't even take. The, can't even hold the packet anymore. I can't even hold the packet anymore. My hands are like, my hands are like Twinkies. I can't even eat them. <laughs> I want to though? <laughs> so yummy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Marijuana. Hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just want to see the picture taken of Miss Marijuana with the sash around her and just like these fucking big glowing red eyes <laughs> at the end of the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> Holding a blunt. Like with that half stoned, half grin on her face. But see, the other thing too is if you have Miss Marijuana, a Miss Marijuana pageant and all of the contestants have to get high, nobody's going to do the swimsuit portion of the show because they're all going to be really paranoid. <laughs> I can't go out there. I can't go out there. Oh, my God. Everybody's looking at me, man. Don't make me go out there, man. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's okay. Just chill. Just chill, man. Just chill out, bro. Do you want another hit? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Everybody's looking at me. They're all looking at me. What are they thinking? Are they saying things about me? They're talking about me. Everybody out there is talking about me. I can't do it. I can't go out there. The competition has been fiercely criticized for its entry criteria on social media, with critics branding it downright sexist and saying that it has outdated guidelines. I was going to say that it was about as gross as having a wine beauty pageant, Lisa Campbell, CEO of Toronto-based Lifford Cannabis Solutions, tweeted. Then I looked on Twitter and learned this was actually a thing in BC. Industry awards for all genders should be based on talent, not beauty, in my opinion. Reducing women to objects. I never understood this argument that um, having a beauty pageant is reducing women to objects. Okay, well then the object is beautiful women. And I think everybody's fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Is a beautiful woman now an object? Okay. Bring out the objects. Make sure they're high as fuck. Get them on that Afghan shit. Northern Lights. Northern Lights for Miss British Columbia. Hey, everybody. No proof of legitimacy and they're transphobic. Transphobic. Smells like a big old scam to me. So you have to be single to even enter, said somebody else. That's beyond stupid. But Miss Marijuana's president, Howard R. Bayer, told The Independent that he was not prejudiced or anti-anyone for their beliefs. There you go. Miss Marijuana, would you like to would you like to grow up and be Miss Marijuana one day, ladies and gentlemen? Why not? UFO hunter finds alien base on Mars with underground tunnel in NASA photo. This I gotta see. Let's have a look. No sound. Why do I have a mute button if there's no sound? Okay, we've got a got an arrow pointing to we've got an arrow pointing to land on Mars. Looks conclusive to me. I love these stupid things. The alleged alien hideout was captured by NASA's 2001 Mars Odyssey mission near Olympus, Mons, the largest known volcano in the solar system. Two rocky structures are visible in the bottom right corner of the baffling photo. It doesn't look baffling at all to me. Just, just looks like some, just looks like a pile of dirt. No, don't you see? It's an alien superstructure. It's an alien base, man. You, you know who came up with this article? The winner of Miss Marijuana. Miss Marijuana was was trolling around on the internet. She was looking at photos. She had her head in the clouds. She was looking at space stuff because space stuff is cool, bro. And she came across this picture. She's like, nah, man, you can totally see it. It's like an alien. It's like this is where the alien ships were landing on the Mars. And then, and then like, so they had like a tunnel and, and the aliens on Mars. And then, yeah, that's, oh, you're right. This is the moon. Alien base discovered in NASA moon images. Fuck, I'm so high. UFO expert Scott C. Waring shared the image on conspiracy blog UFO Sightings Daily. He said, The thing that really stands out is the square structure with a tunnel connecting to the pyramid area. Okay. What this tells me is that aliens that created it <laughs> did not... The aliens that created it. So we're, or we've jumped straight to aliens created it. Okay, that's our, that's our starting point for this theory. It did not just they did not just roam around the planet freely, but instead used the tunnels to stay safe. They get a lot out of these pictures, don't they? Like this is like a Rorschach test, you know? Tell us tell us what you see when you look at this image. Well, I see a base where aliens created a tunnel system so they could walk around a planet safely without being uh, affected by the UV rays, because the aliens are really smart. It's like, okay. You can you can share a you could share a room with the woman who has sex with a zombie doll. Alright? That's where you're going. <laughs> Truth has claimed to have spotted another human statue on Mars last month. Pyramids are calling cards left by aliens, claims theorists. I, I don't know. I I actually have some sympathy with that one. 
because they reckon the pyramids are so mathematically correct in their uh, in their design that modern computers can't even calculate to such a finite um, exact you know number. So to to argue that ancient peoples with no modern technology, no modern measuring technology whatsoever, were able to create these things which are, like I said, so mathematically correct that modern computers can't even get that close to accurate. Seems a little bit strange to me, but I don't know. There you go. Strange picture equals hidden tunnels on Mars. One more story before we get to your stuff. Man knits sweaters to match travel hotspots and the internet loves him for it. If you travel with Sam Barsky, chances are you'll never feel the cold, but having him visit your hometown will cost you more than $100,000. Let's have a look at Sam Barsky. Anytime you want. Whenever you're ready. Okay. This is a this is a thoroughly enjoyable video. Thank you so much, news.com. I really love this. Let's try a refresh. Let's try a refresh, shall we? And now we got nothing. <laughs> we interrupt whatever it is you're doing on this fine autumn day to bring you some truly wholesome smile-inducing news. A U.S. man in his mid-40s has dedicated the past 20 years to knitting sweaters that match each city, landmark, and interesting place he visits. That This is smile-inducing news? That sounds fucking tragic to me. Maybe I'm weird, though. Doesn't doesn't he look like that that actor? What's his name? Ira something? Is that his name? You know that you know the actor I'm talking about. He looks exactly like him. He's always like a second level actor in all of these all of these movies. Oh, what's that guy's name? You know him. You know the guy I'm talking about. Whoever comes up with the guy's name wins five thousand internets. you what I'm wearing. This is my Wizard of Oz sweater. Of course he has a lisp. <laughs> of course he has a lisp. <laughs> Fucking hell. I, I don't want to sound harsh, but the sweaters are kind of crappy. I mean, look at look at this one here. Look at this one on the right. A Venetian-inspired sweater in Venice, Italy. It doesn't look anything like the bridge behind him. It's kind of crap. <laughs> Why is this guy famous? This guy knits crappy sweaters resembling places that he visits. This is on news.com. Sam Barsky has become a serial... Like, I've got nothing against the guy. Like good luck to him if he can if he can go around making sweaters 
Like, all right, I guess people have got to knit. I'm not against knitting. You know, go and knit your little heart out. I don't give a fuck. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of the, you know, the visual quality, the aesthetic quality of these sweaters, I think they're lacking. But maybe that's just my personal taste. Sam Barsky has become a serial self-portraitist. Is that a thing? Self-portraitist? Who takes the time to both... I guess they, they didn't have the balls to call him an artist. <laughs> so no, no, he's not an artist. The, the art is far too shitty for that. We'll just call him a self-portraitist. Yeah, that'll do. Put it to print. Who takes the time to both blend into a scene while making it also stand out in its quirkiest form. He literally becomes one with every place they wrote literally. He literally becomes one with every place he visits and now has a killer travel wardrobe to show for it. Killer. Yeah, I, that's actually a good use of words there because I can see a lot of, you know, homicidal killers wearing these kinds of sweaters. Can't you? Like, I half expect this guy to show up in another news report six months from now and it'll be like, famous famous internet star who knits sweaters found with five bodies in his basement. <laughs> He had one from Venice, he had one from Paris, he had one from Niagara Falls. (laughs) He made the sweaters out of the clothes that they were wearing when he killed them. (laughs) Barsky, as he calls himself, recently shared with his mass Instagram following that he has single-handedly crafted 136 totally unique and customized sweaters over the past 20 years. An impressive feat in a digital world, if you ask us. Well, I didn't, but thanks anyway. 136 jumpers in 20 years. Well, at least we know that his job isn't going to get outsourced to China anytime soon. I mean, look at this Eiffel Tower one. That's that's crap. (laughs) Crappy. Thanks for joining us, Marie. Good to see you. The Baltimore resident is quite the creative phenomenon with more than 36,000 followers on Instagram. It's not hard to see just how popular he is becoming. He is often paid to travel to knitting stores to discuss technique, and you can even hire him to feature a landmark of your own, but it comes with quite a significant cost. All right, how much? His website states that hiring Sam Barsky to come to your city or town to craft sweaters and make a public appearance costs $50,000 US. Wow. (laughs) For this. (laughs) 50G you got to drop on this guy. Holy shit. I, I, I don't even know if you could pay me 50 grand to wear this hideous sweater. I don't think I could wear it for 50 grand. That's a hard pass. Hey, man, do you want to get your picture taken in my cool Eiffel Tower sweater? Fuck no. Don't even don't even get the checkbook out. Not interested. I'm not going to end up as one of your victims. An eye-watering $100,000 US for him to travel anywhere in the world. There is one guarantee, though. He never makes the same sweater twice. So you'd truly be getting a designer piece if you were to opt for your own town to keep a sweater for an extra $10,000 US. Holy shit. On average, it takes Barsky just under a month to generate each individual knit. He, he It takes him a month to make this crap? 
He's terrible. <laughs> a month? <laughs> what is he? He's, he's earning $50,000 to travel to any city. And then he's got the audacity to say, okay, I'll, it'll, it'll be ready in a month's time. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You've just been paid 50 grand. Why does it take you a month to knit this shitty sweater? What am I missing here? 20K kickback, 30K to him. <laughs> Ducks reach us in the chat. If you weren't already in awe of this man's passion project and contribution to both the arts and his surrounding world, God. He also has started knitting baby hats called Tiny Toppers. Oh, you mean beanies. He's making beanies. For infant patients at his local hospital. Ah, so he's a good guy. He makes he makes little hats for the kids at the hospital when he's, pardon the pun, fleecing populations for $100,000 to come up with these disgusting sweaters that nobody would be caught dead in unless, of course, he murders them himself and stores them in his basin, basement in an acid vat. Will he travel to Pahrump? It's perpetual sweater season for Barsky, and we are sure we sure are grateful for the direction his life took. He is a master of his trade, providing timeless art and giving life to the term ugly sweater. Yeah, for some reason the ugly sweater became popular because it's ugly. This is an unpopular ugly sweater, I would have thought. And for fifty thousand dollars, Jesus Christ! Like I said, I wouldn't be caught dead in one. There you go. I'm definitely in the wrong trade, though. Hey, everybody. Just out here making a sweater for the good people of where the fuck am I again? Who cares? They're paying me 50 grand to be here. <laughs> 50 big ones. Oh, good luck to him. Hey, if people, if, if people are... If people are happy to pay it, then I'm happy for him to earn it, as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's get to your stuff. From Laura, health officials warn against something. Health officials warn against rapidly tapering down opioids for pain patients. It's a game changer. Yes, continue taking the opioids. Continue. Slow slow down your opioid, opioid intake very, very, very slowly. Maybe start taking one less pill a year if possible. If you can do that. Thanks for joining us, Stace. I felt like a 10-inch knife was stuck in my back. It would feel like somebody was sticking a red-hot poker up my back. Like needles going into my leg. knife piercing. It felt like a hammer was on you. I've got to be honest, I know it's a very controversial topic, the opioid stuff, but I've got to say, hand on heart, um, when I had like chronic back pain, chronic back issues, which I still do, but it's manageable, so it's fine. But when I thought it was really bad, like I, I refused to take any painkillers for weeks and weeks and weeks. It got to the stage where my doctor was like begging me, please, please take the pill. Please take the pills. You cannot continue unless you take the pill. You need to take the pills. 
And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But I ended up crawling in there after like two months. I'm like, okay, give me the damn pills. <sighs> I'm ready for the pills. So I see a lot of people saying, oh, opioids are terrible. Opioids are terrible. I got to be honest with you. The fucking drugs were amazing. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to like them too much, but I couldn't help myself. I was like, where have you been all my life? This is fantastic. I feel like I could fly off a bridge here. I could bungee. I could ride a bike again. I was like a woman in a tampon commercial. I can ride a bike again. I'm fine. Oh, thanks for joining us, guys, on on YouTube. Mersh sent me. Yes, there's there's a great channel, um, Nightwave Radio. If you don't watch it, a guy named Mersh, incredibly funny guy. So you guys who are watching on Periscope, if you are on YouTube, go over and subscribe to Nightwave Radio. Mersh is an incredibly funny uh, comedian. He does a lot of like, he goes through a lot of like the YouTube videos, um, you know, a lot of like YouTube culture and stuff like that. But if you, if you're anything like me, then you, you have a fundamental issue with people engaging in like deplatforming activities, people who can't have like a live and let live kind of attitude and people who want to suppress humor because they personally can't manage it. Like they don't like it. So nobody's allowed to like it. And that kind of shit makes my eye twitch, you know, like <laughs> a bit like the guy, you know, in the, in the story we were just going over. Where is he? A bit like this guy. I imagine his eye twitches when something happens that he doesn't like. <laughs> so, if you're like that, then subscribe to Nightwave Radio and check out Mersh and check out the show that he does with Royce called Revenge of the Sis. You'll laugh your ass off. Actually got turned on to that show, Revenge of the Sis, because somebody, they roasted somebody on the show and a fan of the person that they roasted sent me the clip and said, you've got to see these guys. This is fucking bullshit. They're bullying this person. They're harassing him. This is fucking bullshit. They shouldn't be on the web and stuff. <clears throat> so I'm like, oh, okay. Already I was skeptical. And so I checked out the clip and fucking laughed my ass off. So I got back in touch with the person who sent me the clip and I said, oh, look, comedy's, comedy's comedy. They're roasting the guy. They're busting his balls a little bit. Relax. If you don't like it, turn it off. You know, don't be a fucking pussy, basically. And I just never heard back from the person. And that was about two or three months ago and I've been watching them ever since. <laughs> obviously the person that sent me the clip of revenge of the sis didn't really know what i was like was like i'll send this to boogie bumper he'll hate it too he's like nope <laughs> sorry it's fucking hilarious so check him out revenge of the sis and nightwave radio you'll love it trust me i know you guys in in this chat room are you know you get it and yeah, I think channels like that, they need to be supported because the kind of shit we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks with the the way that, you know, all of these various forces are trying to crush in and stop us having this kind of fun. I mean, we've got to support each other a little bit. So if you are on YouTube, check them out. Revenge of the Sis Nightwave Radio. You'll laugh your ass off. You'll absolutely love it. All right, where were we? Oh, that's right. Suicides and opioids, fun stuff. <laughs> the way he always described it, especially in his back, it felt like somebody had fired up a hot poker. 
and shoved it in his back and left it there. Hot poker. It was a burning sensation. And he said it felt like his feet were on fire. His hands were on fire. The word he used was he felt like he was on fire from the inside out. But he always had the 120. And with that, it's like he said, always said, this isn't the life I thought I'd have, but we have a life and we make it work. There were times when he got really, really down. There was a point where he was hospitalized for depression. With the pain comes the anxiety, comes the depression, comes... Yeah, see, you know, I don't, this, I don't like this stuff either. But I think when we take, like, these blanket approaches to things like opioids, that's, that, that's, that's a problem. Because like I said, when I was on the things, I fucking loved it, man. It was fantastic. Jumped up, jumped up out of bed. <laughs> Haven't been able to walk in two months, and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Anybody got a hole they want, Doug? Because I'm ready. I'm ready to attack this motherfucker. Give me some more of those pills, honey. Can you crush it up and put it on my toast, please? Mix a little bit in with my coffee. Love the opioids. But yeah, the irony of the pharmaceutical companies coming out and saying, hey, we don't recommend that people get off opioids. You know, we just want you to slow down, stop, just cut back your opioid intake if you could buy like one pill a year for the next 50 years. That's probably the best way to manage <laughs> your opioid painkiller addiction. Plumber's still eating them. Well, somebody's got to. Congrats. Uh, this is from Cheryl. Grocery sees dirty word in summer come Lord. Senses cake. <laughs> oh. Like, people get angry that this kind of shit's happening, all of this crazy shit. I, I think it's fantastic. I love it. Don't you love being able to just look around the world around us and, and look at all the madness and the stupidity? And you just put your arms behind your head and go, oh, yeah, this is the stuff. This is the stuff. Because this is what brings people together, is mocking, surrounding and mocking the absolute retards in our midst. This is what unifies countries. This is what unifies people. All different races and religions and creeds can all come together <laughs> and laugh at fuckwits that want to ban cakes with Latin phrases on them. <laughs> Let's check it out. Why is this horrible? Oh, good. Another video that doesn't play. We're on a roll tonight. It was humiliating and funny at the same time, but definitely shocking. Jacob Kaczynski just graduated from a Charleston area Christian homeschooling organization. His mother, Kara, says Jacob worked really hard for his 4.7 GPA. And she wanted to recognize those high honors by displaying summa cum laude on Jacob's graduation cake. When we ordered the cake online, I ordered Summer it. Summer come loud, eh? Nah, some come loud. Ah, ah. That's what they were talking about. Summer come quiet and summer come loud. 
from the website, from the public's website, and they immediately read, it said censored when I went to hit the submit button. So I redid it because I thought, I don't know what word would have been censored, and it still didn't accept it because it had the three letters C-U-M in it. She says in the comment section, she specified she wasn't trying to order a vulgar cake. And the word is Latin, you know, and that's what I said in the in the comments. You know, we're homeschoolers. We know what that means. I see the beautiful irony about this is so that it was a Christian homeschooling thing, right? And they're trying to get a Latin phrase put on it. But today, today, you know, this is true. If they had have ordered a cake where it was two naked men fisting, it would have it would have been fine. There's no problem whatsoever. But you wanted to put the word "come" on this cake? Well, I don't. I don't think this is appropriate. <laughs> this is not appropriate. I, I don't know if I can make this. I don't know if I can make this, honey. What did you want? What did you want? You wanted a, a bearded uh, ethnic man teabagging somebody in a business suit? We could do that. We can do that, no problem. <laughs> and we're not using it in that way. We're using it and a way to celebrate that he's graduating. And I wrote in quotes with highest honors. So I even translated it for them. She says the day of the graduation. <laughs> you know, back when I was an atheist, <laughs> back when I was an angry atheist, which wasn't that long ago, I always thought the way that Christians are just always, well, not always, but the, Christ, the kind of Christians that end up in these little news clips, they're always so chirpy and bright eyed and, Everything's wonderful, you know. They're complaining about this cake fiasco. They're like, well, you know, it was just so funny. I tried to tell them that I wasn't ordering a nasty cake, but they didn't believe me. Oh. I used to think that they were maniacal. But now that I've come to know, like, a lot of Christians who are like this, they, they really are just genuinely happy people a lot of the time. As, as I said, at least the ones who end up on these little news clips. But she was probably doing her makeup. She probably didn't want the other people in the church to know that she was upset about the cake. I get all that. Why isn't she letting the kid speak? He got a 4.7 GPA. Why can't he speak for himself? Like, it's just like, did you have to bring your mum? Why can't you say something? That means, and we're not using it in that way. We're using it in a way to celebrate that he's graduating. And I wrote in quotes with highest honors. So I even translated it for He's them. nodding along. Like, she mm. says the day of the graduation party, she called to check on the cake. They read it to me. They couldn't pronounce the words, but it sounded fine. Question in the chat. Are you a Christian now? Yeah, well, yes, I am, but like not not like right now. It didn't just happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a few years ago. Man, I, was, I was raised an atheist and became a believer later on. I actually went the opposite way. No, I wasn't dying of cancer. Maybe it, it could have been the the opioids. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it wasn't that either. Kara says her family was in such a rush before the graduation party, her husband didn't check the cake when he picked it up, and they found the censored word when they got home. Well, it's kind of ironic because since we're a Christian homeschool-based organization, we they presented me with a Bible at my graduation, mm -hmm. and the cake just kind of contrasted the Bible in that. If, if you go to a Christian homeschool association gala, and they hand you a Bible, would your reaction be one of, oh, great, a Bible. I, I needed another one of those. Like, wouldn't he, wouldn't he already have a, a Bible? Isn't that the Christian equivalent of giving somebody a pair of socks for Christmas? You know what I mean? Giving them a, giving them a, a shaving kit for their birthday? <clears throat> hey, Jacob, I hear you're a really big Christian and you're really into that God stuff. 
So I got you a Bible. <laughs> Thanks, man. How did you know? Great, goody, another Bible. Reminds me of a head joke. There's a really crappy comedian here, but he's he he's deliberately hacky and deliberately crappy. A guy named Rodney Rude. And he tells these jokes where uh, there's a guy who's just a head. You know, he grows up his whole life and he's just a head. He's got nobody. And head is at Christmas and, you know, opens up his present and he's like, oh, fuck, thanks. Another fucking hat. I know. It's terrible. It's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for getting me a Bible, mum. It was censored. It was just kind of weird and odd. The manager of public seemed not to know what that word meant either. It's not like I made a request that wasn't already made before. And surely Jacob can't be the first student to graduate with honors. They say the incident was embarrassing at the time, but now the whole family can just laugh about it. And I would put it on a cake again, but not from public. <laughs> Fantastic. Good on you, Jacob. Well done, son. Oh, oh, this Kip C. Butler sent this one through from ABC. Gillette posted a photo of a plus-size model. Model really should be in inverted commas when we start getting into this girth. Like, nothing nothing against the fat ladies. <clears throat> nothing against you. I don't have a problem with you. You can do what you like. You can eat what you want. You can wear whatever you wish. I really don't care. But when we start getting into these into these areas of, you know, pushing plus-size model, there's a reason that certain people are models. You know what I mean? Generally because they're, they are perhaps more appealing to look at than... You know, the cellulite-laden young lady with chocolate sauce on her lips. You know what I mean? Gillette posted a photo of a plus-size model and Twitter couldn't handle it. Don't know if we're going to get a video here. Make Gillette stop, please. Ducks reading us in the chat. <laughs> this is not healthy. Oh, there was, a, there was a video here a few years ago, like on the Australian taxpayer-funded broadcasting corporation, the ABC, and it was a discussion about fat shaming and stuff. You know those really crappy panel shows that they do they do for students and boomers? Like, well, should we, should we say that God is offensive or not? And stuff like that. So they were having a discussion about fat shaming, and there was like a personal trainer and a really obese woman, and her argument was that there's too much of an obsession placed on, you know, healthy eating and exercise. And she believed that it was a kind of mental disorder called healthism. <laughs> so the personal trainer wasn't actually living a healthy lifestyle. He was afflicted with this pathological disease called healthism and he was just unaware of it. <laughs> it was the most remarkable thing I've ever seen. And she, she was genuine. She genuinely believed it. You know, she thought that this was a real thing that she invented. Like she was the first, she was the only one who came up with it. Uh, I call it healthism. <laughs> okay, we're not getting a video for some reason. Uh, a heated debate broke out on Twitter, a breeding ground for divisiveness after the razor company, oh, hopefully not long. If we could just eliminate all of the people who are divisive, then fin finally everybody will agree around the world. After the razor company Gillette Venus posted a video of a plus-size bikini-clad model at the beach with the caption, go out there and slay the day. 
But do, do please do your slaying before it gets too hot. Make sure you do your slaying first thing in the morning. Do not stop at the cafe. Do not stop at the buffet. Get your slaying done, then you can relax. The photo may seem like any other on its feed, most of them portraying women in minimal clothing showing off their freshly shaven skin. This particular photo, however, caused a tsunami of commenters to offer judgments on the model's health. The conflict comes from some users accusing Gillette of glamorizing obesity and others praising the company for promoting body positivity for all shapes and sizes. Well, if we could just all be positive about everything all the time, then the world will be a wonderful place. Like if we could just get everybody walking around with a painted on smile, like I'm happy, I'm tolerant, I love everything, I'm not going to say anything bad against anything because that would make me a bad person and I don't want to be a bad person because I want everyone to be happy and tolerant, peaceful and progressive, yay! Like no problems ever arise if everybody just walks around saying how much they love everything all the time, you know what I mean? You know, people want to talk about eliminating hate. Hate is very important. It's important to hate things. If you if you legitimately don't hate anything or anyone in your life, you're a psychopath. No, everything is wonderful. Everything is fine. I love everything and I love everyone. It's like, really? Have you you must never have been pushed then. <laughs> in an interview aired on Thursday, quote. The purpose of taking that photo was just to capture a really joyful time in my life. I just wanted to remember how happy I felt, and that's all it was. It was just a really happy time in my life. O'Brien, who is a blogger and social media, that was the sugar talking. That was the sugar talking. You weren't really happy. It was the sugar rush. It was the cholesterol working its way through your aorta. O'Brien, who is a blogger and social media influencer... Everybody's an influencer these days. If I ever call myself a social media influencer audience, you have permission to hunt me down and shoot me like a rabid dog. I don't want to influence anybody about anything. <laughs> I'd posted the photo because then you're responsible for people. I don't want to be responsible. I want to be irresponsible. Had posted the photo to her social media for from a trip to Cuba and was contacted, con contacted, it's getting late, contacted by Gillette asking if they could repost it. But the comments on Twitter were instantly divided. It was hurtful when my obese mother died at 40 and couldn't see me graduate high school, one Twitter user wrote. I find this ad extremely offensive. Well, see, I'm against that too. Because with all due respect, the fat girl in a bikini on a beach has nothing to do with your dead mother. You know what I mean? Like, even though I agree that um, this body positivity thing and, you know, being being morbidly obese is just normal, even though I agree that that's a problem, um, I, don't, I don't particularly care that your mother died at the age of 40 and you find the picture offensive. Like, just move on. Just let it go. You don't have to tell the world about this. This woman will die of heart disease before POTUS completes his second term. I hope she's just as happy and carefree for the last six years of life. <laughs> now, that's that's a proper Twitter comment. Everybody should live themselves, but let's not call this healthy. Many others came to the model's defense, fighting back at those who rushed to judgment. 
are you this person's doctor? Do you know if they are unhealthy? How? Where is her medical history in the tweet? Someone wrote. Another added, weight is not an indicator of health and health is not an indicator of worth. Don't we spend in the Western world something like 10 times the amount of money in the medical system on people who eat too much as opposed to like smoking? You know how they say, oh, smoking cigarettes is a terrible, terrible drain on the medical economy. We've got to get people off smoking. It costs us so much money. All of the cancer and the lung disease and the heart disease. It's minuscule compared to the obesity. And we're only getting fatter too. Like there's there's more obese people than there are people who are not obese. So in a way, I kind of agree with the people who are saying it's normal because statistically they're right. <laughs> Most people are obese. That's true. It's normal to be fat. Well, I mean, look around. Everybody else is. Everybody else is. I, I saw this one before. Sexy mannequin display causes controversy in New Jersey. New Jersey. We're not going to get a video here either. I think I had one with a video before. Let me see if I can let me see if I can bring up the video. I did have one with a video. I think I've got the link here somewhere. Because this this woman just goes up and starts helping herself to this guy's display in his front yard. Talk about entitlement. marijuana here we go here we go you've got to go to the British tabloids to get the videos all right now we're rocking and rolling no nah, it's not the low fence guy it's a different one it's a different person Concerned that you're going to get a fine or anything? Because you're, this what? is someone's property. I know, but this is disgusting, sir. So. See, straight away I'm thinking, like, look at the person who's tearing down this display. Straight away I'm thinking, all right, neck tattoos, purple hair, piercing through the nose. Who the fuck are you to decide what's disgusting in someone's front yard? I want to see your house. Show me the inside of your house. You know, <laughs> being extremely shallow and judgmental instantly, straight off the bat. Because you see the neck tattoos and the purple hair and she's just walking into somebody else's yard and destroying their stuff. No, I'm just getting rid of it because I think it's disgusting. I think it's terrible. Like this is the level of entitlement that we're where we're at right now. now I, can, I can just go up and destroy your shit if I want to. Because fuck you. Because I feel like it's awful. I It's my decide. I run this town... <laughs> It's like the lesbian, the lesbian mafia or something. Someone's property. I know, but this is disgusting, sir. A resident who said she's had enough takes matters into her Look own at her. hands. Just helping herself to his shit. Outside a Clifton home, some have deemed disrespectful. I, I got a son, you know, he's uh, 16 years old. He's a good boy, you know. <laughs> I've got a son. He's 16 years old. He's a good boy. So I'm going to set the example by walking over to my neighbor's yard and helping myself to his stuff. 
12 months from now, the son will be arrested for stealing a car or something. No, I just I just had to get the car out of the neighborhood. I thought it was bringing down the value of the street. It was a really ugly car. I love my mother. He doesn't need to see this every time I take him back from school and stuff. Okay. The woman identified as Desiree Mosek is talking about this display of five scantily clad mannequins <laughs> that are donning just lingerie, fishnet stockings, and bunny ears. It's an attraction that has gotten a lot of attention in the New Jersey neighborhood. New Jersey. Everybody, everybody else seems to like it. You know, I don't, I don't know what the gun laws are like in New Jersey, but he probably should have just shot her. I mean, isn't this America? Isn't everybody just shooting everybody anyway? That's what the movies and the news keep telling me. They keep telling me everybody's shooting everyone. Would he be right to shoot her? Well, she's on his property. Couldn't he just walk out with a shotgun or something? Hey, get the fuck out of here. You know? She was she was trying to steal my mannequin. Some bitch. The display sits on the front lawn of Dr. Wayne Ganji's dental office on Grove Street. According to neighbors, the dentist is widely known for his holiday displays, especially <laughs> on Halloween. But this particular one, some say, crosses the line. This is Easter. Come on. To me, it's very distasteful and disrespectful. Others in the neighborhood, however, feel differently. He has the right to do what he wants to do. There you it's go. his property. If you don't like it, don't look at it. <laughs> See, the guys seem to have no problem with it. The guys are like, hey, it's his bro it's his property. If he wants to have if he wants to have mannequins up there with the lingerie on, so good luck to him, huh? Good luck to him. If you don't like it, don't look at it. All right, just move on. Just step off. <laughs> but the the purple haired woman demon has to run over there. It's like I gotta take this down. I got a son. I got a son. This is offensive. Yeah, it's a dental office. <laughs> Said she was tired of looking at it, uh. dismantling the display as Pix11 cameras rolled. <laughs> A neighbor came and took it down. She said she, it bothered her, and she said it was... Picks 11 on the scene when Dr. Ganji returned to his office, learning from us what happened. The dentist explained that the display had nothing to do with Easter and everything to do with honoring the late Hugh Hefner on what would have been uh. his 93rd birthday, dismissing claims it was disparaging Easter. We put the, the characters out on the lawn, and unfortunately, it was a total spin on me attacking the celebration of Easter. Now, many in the neighborhood have come to Dr. Ganji's defense, saying that his displays typically bring residents together. But in this case, it may lead to an arrest and possible charges. In Clifton, I'm Andrew Ramos, PIX11 News. Good. Again, you know, <clears throat> very slow news day. <laughs> Now, should she go to prison? Should she be arrested? You know, the libertarian in me says, absolutely not. That's insane. That's that's overkill. But then part of me kind of wants to see her get, you know, thrown to the ground and handcuffed right next to the mannequins that she lined up on the guy's driveway. You know what I mean? Like, see how the mannequins are lined up there? I want to see her next to those mannequins in a, in a set of cuffs with a 250-pound police officer sitting on her back. That would probably make my day. I'm not a vindictive person, but I'm kind of like, nah, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Going over to this guy's yard and taking down his display. It's okay not to like it. But you had to go too far, so fuck you.
Store withdraws chocolate ducklings following race. Oh, it's got to be racism. Following racism complaints. <laughs> Why? That's very multicultural. We've got the yellow duckling. We've got the black duckling. And it looks like we've got the mulatto duckling. So what's, what's the problem here? UK grocery train Waitrose has apologised for being accused after being accused of racism over the names of three chocolate ducklings. The Waitrose trio of chocolate Easter ducklings. Oh, God. Wait until you see why the names are ugly. They were named Fluffy, Crispy and Ugly. So because they named the one that's more brown than the other two, Ugly, it's racism. It's fantastic. What a world. What a fantastic time we're living in. A Twitter user questioned why Waitrose had chosen to call the darkest duckling ugly. It's always a Twitter user. Long John 33 said on Twitter, all of these articles do the same shit. Social media was in an outrage over the over the chocolate duckling debacle at Waitrose, the racism scandal. Long John 33 said, I'm never shopping here again. Honeybee 36 said, why did you call the black one ugly? Twitter users agree that this kind of offensive material needs to be taken down in order to protect our children from delicious racism. We are... <sighs> Waitrose has since apologised in a short statement to, see, uh, to CNN. Why? Why? The first company that doesn't apologise for this kind of crap is going to make billions on that day. We are very sorry for any upset caused by the name of this product. It was absolutely not our intention to cause any offence. You don't have to say it wasn't your intention to cause any offence because any sane, rational person would know that it wasn't your intention to cause any offence. If you have to explain to somebody that you weren't trying to offend them by naming one of the ducklings ugly, i.e. the ugly duckling, get it? I mean, it is a thing, the ugly duckling, right? Remember that? From the old stories when you were a kid? You know those kids' stories, the ugly duckling? If you have to explain to somebody why calling a duckling ugly is not a manifestation of racism or inherent bias against some other ethnic group, then this is a person that you don't have to explain anything to because they won't understand anything you say. You, we, I demand an explanation. Why did you call that duckling ugly? Is that racist or something? It's like, I, I can't talk to this person. Just put them on hold indefinitely and maybe they'll hang up and go away. That's how you deal with it. Just say, that's a very good question, sir. Can I just pop you on hold for a second and I'll be right back? Like 16 hours. <laughs> are you are you still on the phone? Yes, they're coming back to me. They're going to explain why the duckling was named ugly. I'm waiting here. <laughs> That's how you deal with these people. Don't talk to them. You just let them sort themselves out. They'll be fine. Horrifying. De Blasio draws an astonishing 120 people for Nevada speech. Yes, the ugly, exactly, Monica gets it. The ugly duckling becomes the most beautiful in the end. Now it doesn't. Now the ugly duckling gets stomped in a garbage bin in a back alley somewhere because it's an evil symbol of racism and oppression. That's, that's how the new ugly duckling story goes. 
And then the ugly duckling was lynched because it's black. (laughs) (laughs) Then the ugly duckling was shot by an alt-right Nazi. (laughs) Fucking hell. De Blasio draws an astonishing 120 people for Nevada speech. A staggering 120 people, a crowd more than four times bigger than groups he drew on previous road trips. I love great writing by the post. Attended a Nevada speech by Mayor Bill de Blasio as he continued to explore a presidential run. Not that they had much choice. His owner popped into a regularly uh, scheduled meeting of the Clark County Democrats Central Committee inside a high school cafeteria on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) This is a high energy crowd. The nation can't deal with a New Yorker, Howard Beckerman, 66, who attended the Bronx High School of Science, told The Post. I'm old enough to remember John Lindsay, Beckerman said referring to the Big Apple's 107th mayor who had failed to run for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1972, who had a failed run. It's just my observation that the mayor of the city of New York is a dead-end job. (laughs) (laughs) While the mayor failed to draw the 160 to 200 members expected by the group's chair, I like how they set their their, their bar very high, so it's not his fault. Uh, Donna West, he received a standing ovation after hitting on his red meat liberal message of free healthcare, free pre-decay, uh, pre and paid time off. The 120 people in attendance, ladies and gentlemen, gave him a standing ovation at the school when he told them that they would get a free holiday. <laughs> Breaking. New York mayor speaks to 120 boomers, offers free stuff, gets applauded. End of fucking story. There you go. And yeah, the picture from Original Rev of Julian Assange being dragged out, kicking and screaming. We did plenty of that at the beginning of the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We've done another marathon. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Don't forget, tomorrow night, Pirate Radio with Real Person, at Real Person, PLTCS, and Chris Mack, at Chris MC 44 11.30pm. If you want to check them out, please do. Don't forget Ladies of Liberty on Saturday night with James and the girls. I think that's at about 11 o'clock. I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify, at TAV Show, if you want to follow on Twitter. And then following that, um, I'll be back rocking and rolling next week from Monday through to Thursday for the Daily Boogie. So thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like, oh, and don't forget Nightwave Radio and Revenge of the Sis on YouTube, both ex- extremely funny channels. And once you watch it the first time, you'll you'll fall in love and you'll you'll be hooked. Trust me, never miss it. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player, and of course. If you would like to drag me out kicking and screaming, extradite me to the United States, rub me all over with a chocolate bunny, and then enter me in the Miss Marijuana pageant, you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. And have fun. Because the world is crazy and you are too. Remember the words of Chris Saliza. What if the Mueller report wasn't a thing? It's just a thought experiment. It'll be fine. Come back. I'll be back on Monday. I'll see you again on Monday. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a good weekend. Catch you later. Bye-bye.